Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 317. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what is up? Hey, that was some enthusiasm. Yeah, I, I still have a little bit left from a very chaotic week where I saw my favorite band and lost all energy and then worked a, you know, the next day. Not the next day, the day after. Worked a very long day. So it, it's real hit or miss. Right now I'm on a hit. I don't so think Space Girls were doing any gigs these days. You would think, but they're actually doing small underground shows. Oh, right. And, and I know that was meant to be a slam, but I did see the Spice Girls live. So <laughs> uh, I was very upset that Ginger was, was gone because when we got the tickets, she was still with the group. This is mm. back in, what, 99? And yeah. Honestly, a really good show, though. my first joke was going to be Boys On, but then I realized that you might not know who that is because I don't think they made it to the US. Nope, definitely not. Basically, just think Irish, like... I, uh, I'm thinking Irish and sync. Yeah. But, but more ballady, I guess, than NSYNC, but yeah, effectively, yes. Okay. The Irish Backstreet Boys. Uh, <laughs> Irish Backstreet Boys. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no. Spice Girls, though. They, yeah, not, not too bad. It was a good concert. All right, I don't know how to. Uh, this is a DC Comics podcast, everyone. Welcome. Uh, we talk about DC books every week. Carter is absent. Uh, he will hopefully be back next week. He hasn't know what his schedule is yet. Next week, I don't think. No, no, he does. I don't think he will be back next week. He'll be back. He'll always be back. He's like a. The bad penny. He always turns up. You know, much like waves of COVID, uh, Carter will always <laughs> rear his ugly head. I, I remember a friend of mine uh, decreeing that all ginger people are part of one disease, and he would call it gingivitis, like like the mouth disease. Yeah, gingivitis. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's Connor in a nutshell. <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah, coming up on this week's show, we will be talking about Dark Crisis issue three. Batman issue 126, the new Champion of Shazam issue 1, Flashpoint Beyond issue 4, I said that weird, Flashpoint Beyond issue 4, uh, Batman Killing Time issue 6, DC vs. Vampires issue 8, Aquaman Andromeda issue 2, and then I've got a couple of Patreon books that I owe that are slightly overdue, so I'll also be talking about American Vampire issue 28 and Animal Man issue 22, so... Uh, that is what's coming up on the show. Not not much news or other things to talk about, but a lot of uh, uh, comics to talk about, a lot of books. Yes. Actually, I say that, there is actually one huge bit of news. It's just not comic book directly related, but it is huge for what it We're is. We're ready to go on a uh, rip-roaring time. <laughs> well, hold on now. We'll get to news in a minute. Yeah. Because there's always time for a comicsology top 10. No? <laughs> you know. Matt loves For it. the listeners, that was an exasperated hand flailing. Because <laughs> numbers are stupid, as it has been decreed. Since Matt's a Space Girls fan, what he, what he meant to whisper there was, tell me what I want, what I really, really want. And I was going to say, Comixology Top 10! <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember some of their other songs, but I can't. Uh, it's been a very long time. I can't do any lyrics. I don't, one's two become one. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you any of the likes, other than just the, maybe the title. I'm, sh- I'm sure To Become One yeah. is said in the song at some point. But yep. uh, That's all I got for you. That's good. So, so um, number one, is it is it Marvel or DC? It's DC. So I'm going to guess uh, Batman. It's not Batman. It's a Dark Crisis. Dark Crisis issue three is the number yes. one comic right now in Comicsology. 
uh, the sales chart. Yeah. Uh, number two is Batman. Issue one two six. So cool. DC taking the top two spots. You get an event in a yeah. Batman book. I mean, you know, it's usually how they win. Yeah. But because because if you had not said uh, DC and said Marvel, it was going to be X Men was my next guess. Well, number three is X Men Red issue five. Boom. Yeah, and number four is the Mortal X Men issue five. So. It's, it's, it's actually kind of funny how just consistent this is, where it's yeah. Batman, X-Men, <laughs> Batman, X-Men. Is it the 90s again? Is Spawn's out? <laughs> Spawn's still doing well, I guess? Man. I don't know. Uh, number five is Flashpoint Beyond Issue 4. So, uh, I don't know if that's John's name that's sort of carrying that to keep it as high as it is, or if it's... Maybe people are ironically reading it. I don't know. I but know. they're buying it. So maybe people just care about Flashpoint. I know comics fans on the internet don't and yeah. actively shit on it, but maybe, maybe. I mean, my my shop had quite a few, so they're ordering them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe they're selling. Uh, maybe it's the sort of thing that people who have pull lists get, but a lot of people who walk in yeah. just get things off the shelf, buy it. Right. That makes some sense. Oh, like it's, yeah, what's this book with Batman doing the Vitruvian Man? I'll pick that up. Aye, aye. Uh, Number six is Legion of X, issue four. So Another X book. Yeah, and you could argue Flashpoint Beyond is kind of a Batman book. So yeah. <laughs> we're, we're still... as, as we found out in the Zero, it is not a Flash book. Um, number seven is Batman White Knight Presents, Red Hood. Ooh. Wow. Shocked, I tell you, shocked. Those are still selling well, to be fair. I'm not too surprised. Yeah. Uh, number eight is Mighty Morphin, issue 22. Uh, it's... Uh, the, the second power, ongoing Power Rangers book. I think I actually saw this week some people were talking about what this issue does, or maybe it's what the previous issue or one of the next issues is doing, but they're doing like a... There was there was a show of one of the newer Power Rangers series that did like a thing where all the various Red Rangers of all the different generations came together. Apparently yep. they're doing that for the Pink Ranger in the comic. Oh, cool. So. I can only remember two Pink Rangers. And that's Kimberly and Kat. Aye, the two Mighty Morphin ones. <laughs> yes. I can't tell you the other pink ones. Red is though, I, I can maybe, uh, maybe, maybe try uh, some. I, I stopped watching yeah. during Zero, Z, not Zero, Zero. Zero? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I kept going a little bit further, and then I came back during high school for, like, Dino Thunder, because Tommy came back. Um, and then there was another one. So when they started rolling out, like, three Rangers instead of five at the beginning, and then they'd have some join as it went on. I can't remember what that one was. See, that's uh, the, that was the thing. Like, if I see three, I think VR Troopers first. Yeah. You know, that's where my mind yeah. goes. So. so, but yeah, it was kind of, I think when Disney took it over with the, the, the ABC family, they started popping up on there. Um, they, they changed because it seemed like they were, weren't just using the Japanese footage like they were before. It was all stuff they had shot for the shows. So, but yeah. Interesting, interesting. Uh, number nine is DC versus Vampires issue eight, and I'm pleasantly surprised that number ten is the new champion of Shazam issue one. That's good. Yeah, um, I made sure to put that on the the order, you know, so I made sure I got mine. There was not a lot there at my shop, so my the guy said someone came in and was like really excited for it, someone they had never seen before. So, which is weird because you would think like a Shazam fan would be at the store, you know? But <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, um, you know, DC got five out of the top ten currently, which is yeah. which is cool. Nice and spread out as well. It's one, two, five, nine, and ten. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then DC got number eleven as well. Killing time just just out of the top ten nice. there. Uh, Poison Ivy's at number fifteen. 
Uh, Sword of Azrael is at 16. I am gobsmacked that that's higher than number 40, but, uh, you know, I'll... <laughs> yeah, that on. was... That was one that I wish I could have read because they were teasing on online. Someone hit up Ran V and was like, hey, are you going to ever do anything with the, that father? I can't remember his name. Uh, but he popped up in Catwoman because um, he was with the Order of St. Dumas. And he tagged Dan Waters with the eye emojis. So I was like, oh, if that, that character's going to show up, I might want to read that book. But on a week like this, it was just too busy. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, uh, Aquaman and Drama, there's a couple of slots down at number 18, and then Batman Beyond, Neo Years at 19, so, you know, most of DC's books, you know, fit in comfortably into the top 20. The only ones that didn't make it in there, uh, were Multiversity Teen Justice and Black Adam, the Justice Society Files issue that's out. So, not a bad week, performance-wise, at least comparative to other books, uh, <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. uh, on Comicsology, so, uh, cool. But yeah, but yeah, there you go. That yeah. is uh, that is the top ten. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I said repeatedly before we started that there was not really any news this week. But of course, I was kind of neglecting uh the movie news in my head when I said yeah. that. Because... Yeah, I when when you say news, I always think comic book news yeah. because there is going to be something stupid that Warner Brothers has done for us to talk about. <laughs> I mean, um, this week so... in particularly, uh. More yes. stupid than usual. Uh, they've scrapped the Batgirl movie, which has already been shot. Uh, you know, I there's still post production to do on it, presumably still some FX shots and whatever. But they were doing mm-hmm. test screenings and whatnot, and they have decided to just can it, shelf it, and never release it. That's what they're saying right now. It won't be released on any platform in any capacity. Now this feels like the sort of thing that in twenty thirty years, they're eventually like when there's a new regime, will say, ah, we'll put it out as like a special, like oh the the we'll unearth the film that never got released as a as an extra somewhere. But uh, yeah, at least for the time being, it's not coming out, and it's kind of wild. Uh, there's a lot of like businessy reasons being touted as to why they're doing this, but yeah, what's weird about it is even if it was terrible, and by all accounts, it sounds like it's just kind of in the middle. It's not really that great, not that bad, it's whatever. Uh, so a Warner Brothers movie yeah. at this point, but if it even if it is terrible, right? And even if they're you know, and honestly, the logic behind some of what they're saying is not that bad either. This idea that they want to protect DC as a brand, they want to keep it up to a certain standard of quality, they want to sort of uh, curate it a little bit. That is a good idea, but pretty much every movie studio in the history of the movie business will still release their turd, even if they know it's a turd, just to recoup what costs they can, and then they'll do their new plan. <laughs> and then they'll like you know re- put their new plan into action you know i went to the theater to see eternals so yes they still <laughs> put them out i was thinking more suicide squad 2016 to keep it dc yeah. focused but yeah but still I, I gotta take my digs where i can um, <laughs> uh so but yeah or like suicide squad so like oh, man it's just it's just frustrating because the the new merger going so hard on max where it felt like Dropping Batgirl on Max is something that would be cool. Like if it hits, cool. If it doesn't, it's it's fine because the way that Max was set up. But now it seems like I don't know. It seems like they're purging because it wasn't just like Batgirl getting getting canned, but like they went through and removed a lot of like Max original movies. So like I know I didn't watch it, but that Seth Rogen one where he plays an an old you know a guy from old times that gets pickled, and and you know it's a man out of time story just gone they they pulled that one I, just, it's, it's, I, yeah 
When you say yeah. gets pickled, what what do, what do you mean? He falls into a pickle like thing, gets preserved, <laughs> and gets woken up in modern times. I thought and, I thought that's kind of what you were getting at, but I just yeah. wanted to check. He gets pickled, and then he he comes he comes back, you know, Captain America style, man out of time, and hilarity ensues. I never got around to watching it, um, but by all accounts, it had heavy critical acclaim, and they all said it was a different side of Seth Rogen. Um, and they just, it's gone now. And I went, and I double checked and it, it's not in my, my queue anymore on, on Max. So <clears throat> interesting. Um, so the pair mm-hmm. who, uh, were directing Batgirl mm-hmm. had done some work on the Miss Marvel show, which mm-hmm. inherently actually makes it like, Oh, maybe it would have been all right, actually. Cause the, the, some yeah. of the, like, I think Miss Marvel is really bad in the middle. I think this, the script, there's the story and the, the villains that they introduce in the middle are really shit. But okay. the direction and there's some other stuff about it that is good. And, you know, Brendan Fraser was going to be Firefly in the Batgirl movie, so maybe that'd have been yeah. fun. Uh, the, news, the news of this getting cancelled and Blast of the Past popping up on Hulu made me, you know, put me in a Brendan Fraser mood. Mm. So, you know, I watched Blast of the, uh, Blast of the Past and I was like, God damn! Why wasn't Brandon Fraser a bigger deal? And then you remember all the bad stuff that's happened yeah. to him, and you're just like, God damn, man! This might have been part of his comeback, and and that was robbed from us. So I, you know, I'll just say like, if there's anything you like that is technically a HBO Max show or movie, I would say it is on notice, and it yep. might not be around for very long, given all these decisions that are getting made. Yeah. James Gunn saying that Peacemaker season two is safe, but that doesn't mean that anything else is. So. Yeah, but that's not a Max original, right? That airs on HBO. No, it's just Max. Really? Yeah, that's a Max show. Oh, yeah. shoot. Okay, well, I mean, that, I'm sure that did well enough, right? That, that yeah, they, they see the money in it. Well, I think um, it's just because they've already probably started production on it or whatever, and it's already oh. moving. And and it might even just be because they want James Gunn yeah. to keep coming back for more movies, so they want to keep that's, him happy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the thing about the bad girl thing, is, like, I, I would want to see for myself if it was good or bad, right? Like... Because I, I like a lot of stuff that's not, you know, the best. But it, <laughs> oh, still, I'm well it, aware. <laughs> yeah, so like, I don't know, the fact that they decided that it wasn't up to standard or whatever, and then just canned it, and we'll never get a chance to see it, is a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I've got a feeling that someday, somehow, we'll see the light of day, but, it, you know. Yeah. But it'll be I, a I long a, time from there. I read a tweet from a friend that was like, if this was the 90s, uh, back, the Batgirl bootleg... Would that be that'd be for sale on all comic book uh, cons? Yeah, I was just I was having a chocolate myself uh, that you know Aslov, who's in charge now after this Warner Discovery mm-hmm. kind of merger thing, is I was thinking if he was the one in charge, but everyone was saying release the Snyder cut, like he he's canning films that have been shot and like like yeah like make no sense to not release. You think he's yeah. going to put effort into finishing that? I don't know. I just the thought crossed my yeah. mind that there may it may have yeah yeah reason to think about. Um, did I have a fever dream and see that there's a a Todd Phillips Joker sequel being being created? Uh, with Lady Gaga playing Harley Quinn and it's also a musical. Yes, yes, you may have seen yeah, okay. that. So like, um, so like, no Batgirl, <laughs> but we get that. That those are the type of decisions that drive me nuts. You know? I mean, from a business perspective, that movie did make a billion dollars, so I, I understand why financially they're pursuing it, <laughs> but I hated, I mean, I hated that first Joker movie. Like, yeah. you know, I did not like well, it at I, all. I didn't hate it, I just didn't get why everybody loved it, you know? Um, like, I don't, it wasn't... 
I don't like yeah. musicals as well, so you know, you, yeah. you take more of that Joker, you put musical into it. Yeah, like you're, you're making something that's just perfect for me to yeah. avoid. I, I didn't get why everybody loved Joaquin in it because I just I wanted to hit him with a hammer, and I don't know what that says about me, but like, yeah, maybe I just don't like Joker. At the end of the day, I like a good Joker, but you know, uh, yeah. Jared Leto when he's a uh, got got his turn. I don't I don't know if you run in the same circles as I do, um, but I got a, I got a clip on twitter of of or maybe it was tiktok i can't remember that the teen titans go show was taking the piss out of out of the joker out of that out of the letters joker uh-huh. so the the teen titans had to try to get into joker's lair so all of them are doing impressions and so like cyborg does does nicholson's and then um beast boy does heath's and then robin comes through as leto's and the guy running the door doesn't believe because it's like a video screen. He's like, oh, no, that's not Joker. No, Joker would never have face tattoos. Joker doesn't talk like that. It was very funny. No, I um, didn't see this. Um, yes. Uh, the other thing I would say here is that they're adding in right now that they're still releasing this Flash movie. But I want to <sighs> I want to make it clear that right now I'm, put, I'm putting my, my reputation on the line. Yes. I do not believe that this Ezra Miller Flash no. movie will ever be released, at least without yep. it being heavily reshot. Because yeah. Ezra Miller is doing so much weird shit right now, and it keeps escalating that I just do not believe it's ever actually going to happen. I mean, they're already talking about delaying the, the couple that are before that. Um, yeah. Now Shazam was probably always going to get pushed because it was on the same week as Avatar two, and they were yeah. kind of kidding themselves that they were going to keep it there. Yeah. Um, but they're talking about delaying those two now as well. I know they've done some reshoots with Aquaman two to put Affleck in it instead of Keaton because, and. Part part of it's because apparently like, people were confused. Why is Keaton's Batman here? Shouldn't it be Affleck's? I mean that that is fair because even to us, I'm like, wait, why would Keaton's be there? Well, apparently, and well, the Flash movie was meant to come first, and it's mm-hmm. I think by the end of the Flash movie, yeah. it's supposed to have reset things so that Keaton's the Batman, yeah. which is weird because we're not going to get a Keaton Batman movie. Right. Well, we're not now. But, but yeah, still. <laughs> In fact, Keaton was in the Batgirl movie. He was in, like, five scenes, apparently, going yeah. from the Twitter leaks. Because so, people who, like, knew stuff about the movie were just sort of yeah. revealing it, because it was like, well, there's no point in hiding it now. Yeah. Like, it's not coming out. And and apparently he was more like Batman Beyond uh, mm. Bruce, to where he was older and just, like, pissy. And I was like, God, I want to see Keaton in that role. And Yeah. yeah. See, I wasn't that looking forward to the Batgirl movie. And if anything, I'm actually kind of happy in a sense that DC and Warner Brothers have made me so apathetic to their movie adaptations of dc characters yeah i can just kind of like enjoy the chaos of this now and talk mm-hmm. about it rather than being upset that certain things have been cancelled or ignored or whatever yeah. uh but obviously like, everyone's like why aren't hbo max doing a blue beetle movie with jaime reyes like is mm-hmm. that like, i mean they were shooting that already because there was definitely a production for what was going around so yeah. like yeah i wouldn't count your chickens on that one either like that feels like that could easily go away yeah. in the night. maybe maybe they want to put some distance in between the whole you know Snyderverse stuff and and the newer stuff. I don't know, but I mean, Suicide Squad. The James Guns did pretty well. I mean, we got Peacemaker out of that, right? Like, and it was pretty well received. Do, do you know what um, I'm, the impression I'm getting is that they want to start fresh, and that yeah. Reeves Batman's probably separate from this because it was so separate yeah. anyway. But all of these things that have got loose connections to that like shared universe from before, yeah. it kind of feels like this new regime is begrudgingly maybe going to release some of it and just get it out the way, but really yeah. they're looking to what's coming after because they want to probably yeah. just start and, fresh. 
and that does make sense like again from a business point of view but as a fan point of view if you're looking forward to some of these you know but like i wasn't I'm sure though. black adam's fine <laughs> even though i'm not looking forward to it as much but like it looks pretty the rock bad does yeah well the rock still sells tickets though right like sure the, the trailers have not been no good. i'm so bummed by that because i was I, I loved wade like and this he's, is, he's a legit movie star and the shazam but, 2 trailers like it's fine but it doesn't look like yeah. you know it's like ah, it looks like more of the first one and i, I know i i enjoyed it for what it was but it, it, yeah. you know there was nothing exciting about it i'm not hyped for it i'm not hyped but i would have been there on friday night to go see it you know like um because i just love that world and i think zach levi is pretty pretty damn good Shazam. So well, you might get to see that in like March. Maybe you'll get to see it in the summer next year, or maybe it'll maybe. be later. I mean, <laughs> we'll see yeah. what they do with it. Man, them kids are going to be as old as Shazam by the time that comes out. Oh yeah, if, if they do a premiere, yeah. we're going to see them walking yeah. down the carpet, and it'll be like, "Wait, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's that yeah. chick?" <laughs> oh, oh, it's it's the kids. They're like thirty now. Yep. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> Castleman and Riverdale. Um, <laughs> the kids will be teenagers. Zachary Levi is going to be walk, have a walking stick. He's going to be yep. shuffling down the red carpet. I remember when I shot this movie in my forties. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a, a kind of bad horror movie with him in it that was on uh, Amazon, where he played himself. That was pretty funny. It was the Rooster Teeth one. I don't know if you're familiar with it. And I am um, not. No. Yeah. So he pops up for a minute. I was like, oh, cool, Zach Levi. Um, but yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, there's probably more to talk about this if we wanted to, but I think we'll move on and uh, yeah. get into the books. But yeah, so the DC movie turmoil. It's all. It's all a bit of a shit show. It's, it's really hard to sum it up. Um, and yeah, I, I, I know because I was talking to Car about it a little bit in TV news because obviously it affected mm-hmm. some TV stuff on HBO Max, yeah. and he's got this. I mean, this is not a surprise to anyone, I'm sure, but. He has the same general feeling of apathy right now as far as the DC movies go, so... Um, That's just his aura, though. Yeah. But, you know, this is a DC podcast. We should be excited yeah. for the movies coming out, and they've, yeah. they've, they've drummed it out of us. They've, they've robbed it, yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's, and that's how I'm feeling. Like, people are saying, is this the death of the superhero movie? And I was like, I, I don't know about that. Like, I'm nah, sure... The Marvel movies be... are still making too much money for it to be... Yeah, a... that's what I mean. But, like, the excitement, because even me... I, I'm not that excited over, like, I was excited for Thor, but I'm a Thor nerd, like, of course. But, like, the the next, uh, what's, whatever the next... Like, Phase uh, 5, Slate. Yeah, like, yeah. I just look at that and I'm just like, okay, like, cool. Like, I'll see them, but I'm not, like, at the age Even Wakanda Forever, which I did like the first Black Panther, but e- even then, like, no amount of Namor gets me excited to, to go see that. Now, <laughs> Namor's never going to get me excited for anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know what gets Daddy Magic Simples hard? <laughs> and Baku is the Black Panther. Uh, if that happens, you know, I don't think it's happening. So, uh, but which, by the way, that line almost killed my wife watching Dynamite the other day. I'm sure so, it did. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Daddy Magic and his Coke eyes. Uh, oh, dear. What a taste. All right. Yes. <laughs> um, let's get into the, the comics, shall we? Yeah. Um, Dark Crisis issue three, or if you prefer, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths issue three. Uh, Joshua Wilson writing with Daniel Sampier on the art. So obviously the Titans are reeling from the big attack. Uh, yep. You know, uh, Beast Boy's not looking so hot. <laughs> no. To put, to put it mildly, the trauma of what he went through might have uh, 
cause some cause some trouble. Uh, honestly, the first page of this made was giving me Doomsday Clock vibes, and I think it was intentional because mm-hmm. they went for the nine panel grid. You know, the narration yeah. as we're seeing people protest. It was, it was hard not to think of Doomsday Clock a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so the Titans are all kind of upset, and obviously there's some other characters there. You know, Dick's there, Babs is there, Steph and Cass are there, uh, along with uh, the remaining Titans. Uh, you know, it's, it's setting up like okay, this other Justice League is formed, um, and they're feeling kind of weird about it because it's Black mm-hmm. Adam who's reading, leading this team, and we see him try to train the other heroes, but it's not really going very well. Uh, I no. mean, he basically abandons them within a couple of pages <laughs> of discovery. Yeah, he's. <laughs> it's almost like the totalitarian leader of a country isn't a great mentor, right? Mm. Like, um, yeah, because they are trying, you know, you see like uh, Aqualad and Supergirl and Dr. Light, um, Harley's in space with Killer Frost (laughs) for a fun, like, you know, but like they're doing their best and he just, you know, it's it's still not enough because he still wants the lethal option. Right, and that's what he tells them. None of this is going to resolve until you can do what you know yeah, you're not supposed to. At least a pretty heated exchange between because mm-hmm. he's, he's got Count Vertigo at the throat, and yeah. he's, he's he wants to kill him. Uh, yeah. And John steps in, get you know, fires up his eyes, and is like, yeah. "Stop!" But it's a really good panel, actually. The the the, yeah. the, the expression and the anger in his face and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yara ends up helping, and it's actually a really nice touch when the others leave because they all want to go back and check on their families yeah. and their home lives and whatever. The three that are left on the stairs are John, Damien, and Yara, which very notably is a young mm-hmm. Trinity. Yeah. You know, there's the Superman, the Batman, and the Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, it's so good. And I like, I like the whole Yara stuff where she was like, you know, uh, she wants to help, but she didn't think joining a Justice League would be the way to help until she saw everything unfolding. And then she's kind of like, well, they do need my help. Um. The, the the line that got me here was Damien saying that like Black Adam's right, you know it was just the way that he was going about it that Damien mm. kind of disagreed with, um, and you're just like oh yeah that's that's Damien for you right yeah. like and I assume the way this scene ended uh, also made Daddy Magic's nipples hard yeah <laughs> you have no idea <laughs> uh, so I, I took to Twitter after I read this and I had said like you know for for all of his flaws lately with John's right. Uh, John still got me into comics and it was moments like this to where it, like Williamson has learned how to write for the splash page. And so you get to, you know, the sorry to interrupt, but if there's no justice League, you need to turn the page and it's the society and all their glory. And you're looking up at them. So they seem even bigger. I yeah, just like you, you such got, a good moment. You got Alan and his kids, you got fate, you got terrific, you got wildcat, you know, uh, our man. Hawks. Midnight, you know, all, all the people you expect. Obviously, Jay's not there because he's away with the other flashes right now. Right. But right. Uh, you got the we, rest we of the two, squad. Yeah, we have two Wildcats, which I think is, is always cool when they do the legacy thing like that mm-hmm. with yeah. the with the two kinds on one. Uh, Jakeem's um, there as well, yeah. Yeah, Jakeem's hanging out. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a really good, you know, I think if you care about DC lore and you care about... Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you cared about the JSA coming back, this is probably the first time it's actually felt like they're the JSA. Obviously, they were yeah. in... You know, the minis that Williamson did sort mm-hmm. of building up to this, but this kind of yeah. felt like, oh, they're together, they're a team, and they're here yeah. to, you know, offer their services as such. Yeah. So, uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, then we go to Deathstroke, who is dealing with. Not the... ha- straight up not having a good time. <laughs> Deathstroke's oh, dealing with some things. I mean, he's got the the infinite darkness or whatever it is in his head yeah. uh, talking to him. 
yeah uh spurring him on but he thinks he can sort of do what he wants you know in spite of it uh and you have um ravager rose comes in and she wants to talk to him uh and basically try to figure out why he's doing this and obviously we know why he's doing it because he's infected with the the darkness but uh you know he's he's going all nuts and he actually ends up releasing the darkness out of his like mouth then it sort of like goes to like the other villains that he's with in the room uh seems to not it seems like rose is just reacting to it rather than being hit by herself yeah but uh important Um, to know (laughs) yeah no i do like the the when rose shows up and you know because uh, she was there for the whole respawn thing, and she thinks this is tied to that, because she doesn't realize he's been infected. Um, and, and but the way that they kept his eyes in shadow, I was like, is he gonna be missing both eyes? Like, is this is this one of those things where the darkness is causing mad? But but no. But I wasn't also expecting him to puke it all up either. So um, either way, it was horrific. Yeah, um, and basically what he's trying to do on behalf of the darkness is to start a crisis. That, that's yep. kind of what his goal is. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see him tied into all this stuff. Then, then we cut to the Green Lanterns. Uh, obviously, we saw Hal uh, and Cole break out Kyle, where he was yep. at the end of last issue. Uh, here, they've went to Sector 666, and there's a giant black lantern which has formed here. And Hal, Joe, and Kyle are going to check it out before you go inside mm-hmm. and we get this really fun kind of black lantern style page where we see like them all looking sort of evil and dead <laughs> as yeah. they're falling through it's just a you know, trippy page yeah except for um hal who's doing the 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 parallax greed thing with yeah the with, all, with all the rings but but with the black lantern rings so um yeah that, that was pretty cool yeah they're all black lantern rings on his mm-hmm. hand as opposed to uh you know one of every the, the yellows yeah um yeah so yeah when they fall to wherever they're you know in here this is where where pariah is hiding yep. and he's got all these little like uh worlds these little universes and they've got logos mm-hmm. on them so one's clearly the, the the planet the world that he's got superman trapped in one's where the mm-hmm. flash is wonder woman so on right. and this basically we find out that he obviously wants to rebuild the the multiverse and even though the darkness wants him to do one thing, he thinks he can subdue it and control it and just do what he wants. So that's what he's actually trying to do. He's not trying to do what the darkness wants. Uh, but the Green Lantern's trying to fight him, and effectively Hal gets dusty just like the Justice League did. He gets the same yep. treatment where he vap- vaporizes and then reforms, and he's inside presumably a new world. And it's this Green Lantern mm-hmm. world where... Uh, there's like a, a blind Green Lantern in front of him. There's a, like a ninja looking one, and it's Sector John Stewart. <laughs> yeah, which uh, it's a little I, bit weird. Well, I wonder if the, if he's put him in uh, the same like fake universe as John's in because we've not well, seen John in a universe yet. No, no, no. So what what happened was is that that Hal runs and touches the Green Lantern orb. Yes, and at the Earth, and that's when and Pariah freaks out. He's like, "Don't touch my world!" And so what? It's almost like Pariah is trying to use each of these basically by by giving the Justice League what they want. He's creating these infinite worlds, and so it, it's almost like if he gets pissed that if Hal goes up there, it's gonna awaken John or pull him out. Yeah, um, but he, he seems to go in right because he yeah he goes into there. But I, I also like the homage to the original Crisis where when he gets dusted, it looks like when the Flash died in that original Crisis. Um, and so, and then he reforms to where where he's at in this 
gigantic green world where everything looks like a construct. Yeah, all the buildings yeah. all the constructs, mm-hmm. the helipad that he's on is a construct, everything's a construct. Yeah. yeah. So that's your cliffhanger there. Uh, but the end of the issue, and it's, it, what's interesting about this is that it really feels like an event in that each thing only gets one scene to, to kind yeah. of advance. Uh, but the ending is Black Adam arriving somewhere, and he's like, look, I tried to like fix this with the young heroes. I thought I could train them, uh, but they're too, they're too tied to hope. They're, they're too ingrained mm-hmm. in hope. So it's time for Doom. And the final page is, again, much like the GSA page, we get the splash page yep. of the Legion of Doom. Uh, which then includes Punchline, who's rising in the ranks as far as DC villains goes. They're really trying to make well, her one of the big guys, aren't they? What happened to Joker in the Joker book? Is he just on vacation still? I never finished that, did I? Okay, yeah, so that's why I'm assuming they're there. But also, curiously, is Vandal Savage, who the last time I saw him, he was in that group post... Um, what was the last big event? Um, where Was it Death Metal? Death Metal, yeah. yeah. Where... It was him and Terrific and Talia, and there was all this uneasy alliance to make sure stuff like this can't happen. It seems like he's bailed on that and is now joining uh, Luther's Legion of Doom again, which also now includes the Rogues, yeah, the yeah. Golden Glider, uh, spot, so, and Scarecrow. Yeah. So, which again is, is a nice tie where I feel like Williamson, however this story came together, Williamson has been paying attention to the DC universe as it goes. And oh, the fact for sure. That he's, yeah. He's tying in Snyder's era of, of, you know, the Justice versus Doom and that whole idea. And even and just you, this, this Scarecrow, is, you know, it's the modern Scarecrow from uh, yeah. Tynan's Batman from, run. From Tynan's run, yeah. yeah. So, with, with, with the whole Fear State ideal. Um, and it does and say, yeah. it says next time, you know, Deathstroke versus Legion of Doom. So it is quite mm-hmm. interesting. And this, this is not a new concept. Obviously, many yeah. events have done this. But the idea that the team yeah. of villains are going to try and take on the main threat. Yeah. Uh, and presumably fail, because it's only going to be issue four at seven. So... Right. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I thought this was a very solid event issue comic, and what I mean yep. by that is is that I don't think it's ever going to win any awards. I don't think it's ever going to feel special, but it, all the character interactions um felt good, and mm-hmm. they had these big splash page moments they built up to, uh, both the JSA and the Legion of Doom at the end, um. Like, you know, I, I thought everything advanced something in a meaningful way, and I'm liking all the various threads that, it, that it's doing. Uh, as, as a piece of pulpy event comic, I had a good time with the issue. Yeah, and it has these nice big moments, too. Like, it's... Where the last one, like, I feel like... If I remember right, Connor was saying that it wasn't moving fast enough, right? They were getting too many of these character moments. I feel like those character moments really led to these big... Like, the, like the Justice Society showing up. And Black Adam seeking out the Legion of Doom. Like, that, those are nice. It's a nice balance, right? Like, the light side gets the society. The dark side gets the... Not the dark side, but you know what I mean. Gets gets the Legion of Doom. And it all balances itself out very, very well. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's really good. It's not, like, amazing. Outside of that that Justice Society page, right? I totally nerded out. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's just this is solid. I think uh, is, mm-hmm. is how I'd put it, and you know, the art's reasonably good. You know, I think Sam, Sam Pierre drawing everybody, which which yeah. I'm never gonna be mad at. You know, you know I, I think the splash pages look good. I think the like the moment where John stands up to Black Adam, I think that mm-hmm. looks really good. And you see the anger on his face. Yeah. There's, there's moments like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Even the opening where the Titans are all kind of like you know they're all really kind of subdued, and there's a real yeah. kind of like you know sadness in the air. 
uh, like that, that stuff is uh, it all captured fairly well. So I, I think it's a really solid event issue of a comic book. Uh, it's just never, I, I think, going to be like ranking high up in single issues of a year or anything like that. But um, yeah. yeah, so but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I'm sure Connor hated it. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> again, his aura is doom. His aura is ginger. Yes. All right, what are you rating Dark Crisis issue three? Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah, I'll agree with a straight eight. I got a good time. So, uh, there you go. Batman issue one two six. Chip Zarsky rating with Jorge Jimenez on the art. So, uh, last issue ended with the reveal of the the robot coming out of the cave, the failsafe. Mm-hmm. And this issue, of course, uh, starts off with a little bit of Batman kind of just you know talking about his family, talking about how he's different from them, how. Yeah, we get this page of all the different colors, which is kind of nice where it's them. Uh, like, you know, they're all too hopeful to have, like, you know, lives and loved ones where Batman's already accepted that he's not going to have that, and that's what makes them different from him. Uh, but, you know, he has a small conversation with Tim because Tim's still getting involved with things, and Batman feels that he should be taking some time off. Uh, but ultimately, it's very quickly in the issue where this robot shows up behind them, very Terminator-esque, which you said may happen, and I did enjoy that element. Do you know what? I would say I really enjoyed this issue, but I will say the final page did throw me for a bit of a loop. So let, let, let's build to that. Yeah. Right? So, because so, uh, I'm also doing homework on this because it's been a while since that concept's been used. Sure, sure. And, yeah, and I want to make sure I get the, the greater stuff right. Well, here's, so. here's the interesting thing. So, so the, yeah. you know, the, for that first page where the robot shows up and he's in the darkness behind yep. him, fantastic, right? The red yep. lights, feeling very Terminator-esque, love it. And then, you know, there's a big fight takes place where Batman's trying to fight it, and then eventually he grapples onto the Batmobile and tries to get away, and then all the Bat family show up to try and help. And it really feels like this thing is, like, unstoppable and coming after him. And what stuck out to me, though, is that he didn't seem to recognize it, at least not at first. He was kind of like, you know, he's like, oh, this thing's dangerous, it's powerful, it's smart, it's adapting, it's all this stuff. Um, I particularly like the moment where he tries to get away again and he tries to grapple and go up, but yep. the robot grabs his cape and there's that moment uh-huh. where like, you know, he sees his reaction, his face is like, oh shit, and he gets slammed yeah. into the concrete. Like, really good sequence moment there's, there, I there's think. That, and then when he gets away on the, the with the Batmobile, because he uses it as like a lure, right? He, he's able to send the car out and then get behind it um, to distract the robot, or the failsafe. Um, but yeah, um, also... Again, this is why I love Chip, is that, or this could have been uh, Jimenez, because he's a great designer, but the, the failsafe has bad ears, and that cracked me up, because of course a robot created by Batman has the bad ears. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, not long after, after he gets slammed out the concrete, that's when Steph and Cash show up to try and help, and yeah, this robot's like taking taking them out easily, but isn't killing them, and this is kind of this weird mm-hmm. moment where Batman kind of notices that this thing only cares about dealing with him like right. it's you know when someone else is hitting it it'll sort of like show them to the side it'll deal with them but it's it's not it doesn't care about the others it only cares about him uh so tim actually grabs bruce puts him in the batmobile and tries to drive away and honestly my boy nightwing gets uh, probably the best entrance of the whole book yeah he, uh, shows up he's a little bit late he shows up on his bike and he rides mm-hmm. his bike over the batmobile uh, and you know, lets his bike fly. There's a backflip off of well, it, and lets the bike fly yeah. into the robot. It's he turns it into a missile. It's just wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, so 
yeah, uh, but of course the robot jumps up and does a big shockwave attack, you know, ground pound kind of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, like the others just can't keep up with it. Um, but Batman's actually tricked it because Batman, you know, on, on his way, like I think Tim's saying, oh, we need to get to the cave, and the robot hears the cave. But it turns out he goes to the old cave and not the one that Leslie's actually waiting at to like give him medical attention. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like the robot sees Leslie, um, and what does it says? Just sort of says, uh, where is he? Yeah, uh, he's just sort of like you know. Yeah. So it's, it's, he's he's diverted the robot quite effectively, and like it's like Batman's finally starting to remember that this is something to do with him. Yeah, and he's going yeah. to this secret part of the cave. He takes off his cowl and his cape, and he finds this box. Um, and I'm like. And what I was thinking at this point, I'm like, did he like intentionally erase his memory of creating this? Because that's, that would defeat the purpose if he knew it was there to come after him. Right. That's what I was thinking. And uh-huh. then, of course, you, you know, he's building up in the narration. Uh, he says, I've done this to myself. And then Tim looks around. You see the purple glove. And I thought, oh, has he put on his original costume? I was thinking, that's... oh, you know, the Detective 27 purple yep. gloves costume. He's, he's got to return back to his roots to remind himself, you know, why this failsafe exists. And I was so wrong. And then the final page, I was also wrong. He walks out in that, the Batman of Zurenra or Zurenar, whatever you like. Zurenar. Yeah. The the purple, red, yellow costume. This, which I mainly associate from Grant Morrison's run is where I kind of really knew about it from. But, uh, so yeah, this is something that the Batman of Zurenra has done. The failsafe. Not not regular, Bruce. <laughs> no. So, Zurinar exists, so in, when, when Morrison brought it back, so this is what I had to refresh. Yes. Was like, this is like primal Batman. This is, if anything ever happened to Batman, this is the the last-ditch effort. If anything happens to Bruce's mind, Zurinar will take over and, you know, make sure that Batman exists. So essentially, Zurinar is Batman without Bruce. Um... And so it seems like the Zern R version of, of him created this failsafe in case Batman had went too far. And so now it's like this multi-level thing that like Bruce did create failsafe, but it wasn't really Bruce because it was Batman. So Batman created the failsafe, but then didn't tell Bruce about it. So it's this whole thing. And I'm just like, oh man, Zern R is always a trip. Always. So... I have a feeling that might might be showing up at some point. I, too. I'm so conflicted on this because on the one hand, like I love the, the the issue up till the end and just as a sort of you know Terminator robot hunting Batman, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed all that stuff. All the Bat family getting involved, loved it. The final page, like I'm conflicted because on the one hand, I think that this might just mess up what I like about the story. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, though, I do appreciate that Zarsky is willing to just pull from anything in bat history and do yeah. something with it like i kind of appreciate the balls of it i'm not so sure if i like it yet we'll see how it, what he does with it next issue yeah. when zernar shows up things are gonna go sideways right like that's always what that, that's the thing that i got from morrison which he pulled from an older story where like zernar was like um kind of like a bizarro he was a a scientist from another from another uh and it's called From the Superman of Planet X from Batman 113. The story uh, a Batman from Zern R brings that would become Earth One Batman to his planet to help him battle giant robots piloted by an unidentified alien race. While on the planet, Batman's found he's developed Superman like powers. So the whole concept of Zern R by itself is just wild. So 
Uh, the fact that, that Morrison repurposed it as kind of a its, a, its own failsafe, I do like Zadarsky using that in for this story to do something new with it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes because it could be contingent on how Zernar Batman... Uh, yeah, well, whether I like oh, where this goes is entirely yeah. dependent on just that like you know i like i i mean i enjoyed this issue a lot i liked how the action was written i thought the art was glorious uh repeatedly throughout both in the sequencing and just sort of the the actual lane work and the the nightwing's entrance is phenomenal uh batman being grabbed and slammed into the com- mm. concrete uh the robot's first appearance over bruce's shoulder uh and yeah the art in the final page you know i'm conflicted about the concept but the the yeah. art is gorgeous he is menacing yeah. Like that purple cape looks scary. Um but yeah. Um but yeah, pre- pretty pretty good. I mean Zadarsky seems to be having fun. Between this and the night, you know, the night took a couple issues for me to fully buy in as well. Um but he takes his time. And again, like the art is, is pretty good. The other thing is um Tim's Robin seems super, super young. It might just be the haircut. Like it, it's a weird, like high fade. I think it's I, I wonder if it's a weird thing where because Damien's not around, like, yeah. he, he inherently is the youngest one, so that's just kind of yeah. what they lean into. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not bad, it's just weird. Because, like, especially on that last page when he looks, he looks like teenage Tim Drake. And at this point, Tim should be in, like, what, college age? Right? Like, he went off to college and Yeah, but 20, tech. something like that. Oh. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, I think the art's good. Like you said, the, the robot showing up behind Bruce... Dick's entrance to everything, that first page where we see all of the Bat family from behind, you know, as they're they're going out um, to help Batman is pretty, pretty good. Yeah, no. Uh, what to like in here? I liked him all in issue one of the run. I mean, okay. by that I mean issue one, two, five. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, like... I mean, if nothing else, like, I'm concerned I won't like where it goes with the Zero and Ra stuff, because I don't necessarily know if I liked it in the past, but at the very least, I'm intrigued, and I liked all the issue up until that point, so, I mean, I can't really fault much of it. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's one of those weird things. Like, it's, I gotta see how it, where it goes before, you know, because this could, he could fall on his face, and Zernar could be, like, the Bat God personified, and I'm gonna hate it. But... He, it could just be like a King Kong versus Godzilla moment of Zernar versus the failsafe, you know. Um, that fight yeah. may be entertaining. Yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't deny it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, what are you giving Batman one two six? Um, I'm gonna give this a seven point five. I'm gonna give it a sh- <laughs> yeah, no straight. Yeah, oh. I, I still, yeah, I still thought it was really good. Like I, still, I really enjoyed the book. Um, the mm-hmm. ending's just leaving me question, like if I like where it's going, but. Uh, you know, I have no reason to really doubt Zarsky at this point, really. Oh. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, but that's Batman 126. The new champion of Shazam, issue one, Josie Campbell writing with Doc Shaner on the R. And this is in continuity, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. Uh, I wasn't Me sure either. what I was going to do. But... In, like, so I really like the concept of Shazam, especially once, you know, I got really into Shazam around the Justice Society era, right? And then, like, I had read, like, The Trials of Shazam, where they tried to put it on Freddy. And um, Billy was was the new wizard character that was trapped on the Rock of Eternity. Uh, and so I do like that they try to do Legacy. And then with um, New 52, we have the whole new origin where he could share it with the whole family. 
Um, and so just the idea of Mary taking over and being this new champion was something that I'm in. And then you're going to put Doc Shaner on art. And, and yeah. Oh, yeah, um, the art's got, I mean, that's the first thing you can see easily is that the art is gorgeous. And just the idea, too, that, that we're going to have Mary, at least for four issues, becoming the new Shazam is, as I just love that whole idea. Yeah, I mean, it's saying continuity. It's, you know, it's, uh, she's now college age, so she's actually leaving. Uh, and it's a really mm-hmm. sad little scene because it's on the very first. Is it? That's not the first page, is it? No, it's so there's and also here where she talks about like she always felt unwanted, right? And I do like that because now it, you yeah, know, yeah, no, what I was getting to is uh, it's on the yeah. third page when she's leaving and uh, yeah. uh, Darla, like, it's like, oh, she's still asleep, but she's not, and she's like, yeah. she's crying because her, sister, her sister's leaving. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was really sweet. But it mentions, yeah. because of what happened in that Shazam crossover thing that we didn't read, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like Billy's in the rock and all the power's uh-huh. gone, right? None of them yep. have powers anymore. Nope. So she's going off to be a normal college girl. She's going to go and be herself and just mm-hmm. like not be an orphan anymore. She's, you know, she's happy she found a family eventually, but this is her chance to not be the sister, not be the orphan, not be whatever. Just be just her. Just be Mary. Yeah. So she goes away. She's you know she's going to college in New York. Obviously, then they're from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So she says it's like an eight-hour drive, which is just perfect because yeah. it's not too far away. She can't visit, but it's far away enough that she's separate and gets to be alone and all the rest of it. Uh, and yeah, once she actually goes into the the dorms and she meets her roommates and like she starts to feel concerned that they already know each other because they've been talking online because there was like a virtual meet up for new roommates and stuff, but she never got to do that. Like. Her insecurities and her like sort of getting worried and stuff was like okay she's got a good inner voice you know we're starting to get this, this yeah. sense of humor and like you know uh, when they ask her name and she sort of panics and says uh, uh, Marina because she wants to be different from just yeah. Mary. <laughs> Mary Marina yeah Marina and the girls look at her confused her new roommates um, but and then just the the her face turning red and the whole panel. Is red. Yeah, but then, nice but then when they say it's cool, and you get that white yeah. panel at the bottom where it's like rays yeah. of sunshine behind her head yep. as she's smiling, it's very expressive. It's also those extra just like turn the panels whole colors just adds comedy to it. It just makes it well, funnier. Comedy and it makes it like kinetic to where it's almost like a cartoon. Like, I don't want to say cartoony in the way that it's like overblown or whatever, but I feel the motion. It's almost like reading storyboards here. And again, that's Shaner doing the expressions and the you know. Uh, working with, did he do the colors on this too? Oh, I don't know. Hold on. I'll go back to Freddy Krebs page. Uh, But they go to an orientation talk and the bunny that belongs to one of her roommates uh, starts talking to her. Yeah. uh, 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 Basically says, yeah, I've been sent here with a message from Billy. He's given you the the Shazam power. It's all yours now. You're not sharing it with anyone. Uh, The world needs a champion and it's going to be you. And she's like, no, I'm I'm done. Like I'm I'm a normal person now. I can't do this. And she ends up making a bit of a scene talking to the rabbit and runs out with it. Uh, yeah. And the ra- he's he's talking to her in her mind, so to, but she's talking out loud, so everyone yes. just sees her screaming at a rabbit, which is hilarious. But then when she runs outside, the bunny teleports her to a crime. There's like you know a bank robbery going on with mm-hmm. uh, it's not matter it's not a weather wizard because that's what she calls him because yeah, she doesn't know who it is. Disaster master, which is not a bad name to be honest. No. <laughs> But he has the, you know, kind of uh, seeming like Weather Wizard-ish powers where it seems like he's Earthquake-powered or, or well, you know. I, I got a kick out of it, though, because his powers seem to come from a phone app that he's got. Yep. He's, he's got a phone strapped to his chest. That, that mm-hmm. gave me a bit of a chuckle. 
Uh, but yeah, he's throwing the vault doors around. He's threatening to kill everyone. So uh, the buddy begs Mary to say the word. And of course, Phil Page spreads, says Shazam. It's gorgeous. Uh, and she noticed that, hey, wait I'm, wait, I'm stronger than I was before. What's going on? And the bunny explains, well, you're not sharing the power with five people anymore. So it's all you. You've got all of yeah. it. Uh, the, the kick, she realizes when she hits him with the lightning, that the kick knocks her back out of the bank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she goes to the nice window. Moment too. Uh, so yeah, she, she escalates the situation. Um, some wonderful panels. Because like, he's like, making all the dirt swirl up and it kind of a tornado yeah. around him. And she's able to come through. And there's some great moments of like just the delight of the... The lightning bolt in her chest, kind of like glowing through the smoke or the dust and stuff like that. So, so good, yeah, a yeah. lot, lot of really nice art, uh, you know, in the action as well. But it's, to be to be honest, Shainer, it's the, it's the vibrancy, but mainly the expressions and the the way it yep. handles faces for me that I love. Yeah, so he did all the art. So I just went back to the t- the, the credits page, mm. and it just says art by Doc Shainer. So that's inking and coloring. So he's just doing it all, and it's <laughs> it, it really shows. Yeah, that's why it took some time, presumably, yeah. to uh, to get done. But even mm-hmm. even the rabbit, you know, when it, after they've they've captured the the bad guy, and the rabbit's giving her this a side eye with a smirk, saying, "See, I yeah. knew you could do it, Mary. The world needs you." And she's actually already running away. She's flying off back uh, back to the dorms. Uh, and it does that cool thing where she lands like behind the the wall, and you hear the Shazam, and then she runs around in her normal clothes. You know. Mm-hmm. The, cl- the classic switcheroo, which is a comic because it doesn't have to do it, but it yeah. does it anyway because it's fun. Uh, so she comes in and there's some police officers and she thinks that she that they've called the police on her because she ran away with their bunny. And, Stole her roommate's bunny, yeah, Oppie. Uh, but the cliffhanger is, though, is that her foster parents have went missing. And that is the cliffhanger mm-hmm. of, the, of the issue. Uh, which I, you know, I thought was a good cliffhanger. The, the whole mm-hmm. idea that she's desperate to get away and be herself, but then they, they get into trouble and then she has to save them in some capacity. It's yeah. kind of sweet. Uh, it's got well, some natural well, drama and I, there. Yeah, and I like the idea where she talks about how she wasn't really wanted, and then she got to the Vasquez's, which are her foster family. And then she had a family. And then they were all superheroes together. And now she's trying to distance herself to be her own person, yet it's pulling her back. And I do like that. Not that it's an inner conflict, because, of course, she's going to try to help out her family. But just the struggle of her wanting to be on her own and not be, you know, tied everything to her past. Yeah, and it's got but, that classic, you know, reluctant hero thing where she doesn't yeah. really want to do it because she wants to, like, focus on her life, but mm-hmm. she's not going to not help people in need. She's not, not going to go look for right. foster parents because something bad's happened to them. Like, mm-hmm. she's going to, so... Yeah, uh, well, and the fact that it seems like Billy, which I don't fully trust this rabbit. I feel like there's more going on, right? That, you know, oh. it was a, it's an emissary from Billy and the Rock Fraternity using the last of his magic and whatnot. Um, but she still ended up with the power of Shazam, right? So, but just the whole idea of her being unwanted and now being chosen to, you know, to save the world, you know, per se. I, I like that balance. So, um, but yeah, no, knew I was going to like this book. I wasn't so, I wasn't familiar with the writer, Josie Campbell, but if it's going to be more like this for four issues, it's, it's it might end up being high on the best of, yeah. you know? Sadly, the, the only thing I'm upset about is that it's only four issues. Like, yeah, you know, that I would love to if this was a twelve issue book or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it's going to yeah. be four, It'll be four tight issues, and we'll see what they do with it. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, if it does well, me and if Shainer wants to with Campbell, maybe they'll do like yeah. a, a sequel mini or something uh, yeah. down the line. But, uh, but no, cool. What are you giving the new champion of Shazam? Uh, Nine point five. 
Whoa, okay. Yeah. Uh, straight up there. I, I'm going to be a little more reserved and go with a straight nine, but I do really like it. It, it has that feeling of the start of a run, which is a shame because it's not the start of a run, it's the start mm -hmm. of a mini. But uh, love the characterization. I love that she's getting some focus. You know, I think, I mean, I've always liked Mary Marvel, but I think ever since mm -hmm. that deceased mini, uh, where she had that surprise like, appearance where it was like, oh shit, yeah. she, that was as cool as anything. She yeah, she she was hidden in there amongst the regular people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until the word was said that you kind of realized, oh wait a minute, and it kind of it really elevated her, I think, in terms of what you can do with her in a mm -hmm. comic book. And I'm glad that there's a series here to sort of do it in continuity and give her the spotlight a bit. So, uh, yeah, yeah, nine out of ten for me. So there you go. That's uh, the new mm -hmm. champion of Shazam. Flashpoint Beyond, issue four, Jeff Johns with Jeremy Adams and Tim Sheridan writing with Zermanico and Mikkel Yannin on the art. <sighs> do you know what? I, what? Five names. What is this book? <laughs> I have to say five goddamn names when I do the credits for that. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yes, Flashpoint Beyond. Uh, well, I mean, clearly, you know, in the real world, uh, like Batman's done this and uh he's been warned that it's getting close to breaking point and that this shouldn't be a thing but uh you know we go into the story and thon's body is investigated by thomas and he finds a bunch of clock gears inside of him so he's like okay they do something with that and he, he brings it home uh dent's son has ran away from penguin mm -hmm. uh He's went to the Batcave and stole a bunch of supplies and made himself effectively a kind of a... A Robin. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just a red t-shirt and a green, you know, green, mm -hmm. green trousers. But yeah, he's, he's given himself a utility belt and, you know, he's, he's yeah. kind of this this Robin here. Um, the little sociopath has picked up on all the bad things and now he's going to go make chaos somewhere. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. When Thomas gets home, Penguin's like trying to like, say sorry and he's really concerned about where the kid might be and Thomas could not give a shit. <laughs> no. You could tell this man lost his son early and never thought about kids again. Oh, dear. You know? Yeah. But we see we see uh the kid like sneaking into Arkham. He's on top of like the van that's going uh -huh. in, <laughs> like an action star. Mm -hmm. Um, whilst Thomas is looking at these gears and shit and trying to figure, it out. He, he sort of puts like enough of them back together, but then realizes eventually it's like for the grandfather clock in the house. Yeah. Uh, but at Arkham is the big thing though, is that the kid is going into Arkham because he wants to see his mum. He wants to see uh Gilda, and. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh no, that's a it's a it's a bad sign, and it starts intercutting between the scenes. You know, there's like, there's a, mm -hmm. a page where there's like the the two scenes are playing out in two columns next to each other in panels. Uh, but yeah, eventually he sees his mom, and what's a really neat trick here is that you kind of like think that this other voice that's coming in occasionally is like her. You know, the way that Two Face would have like a gravelly voice yeah. when he's speaking out of Two Face. You know, the other the the the, the burn side, if you will, mm -hmm. and. There's a reveal, though, that it's not, that's not the case, that there's someone else t talking. Uh, it's someone coming from the next cell uh, through through a, a hidden door. And um, and it's just as Thomas is putting the pieces together, and he, he goes and puts this gear in the clock in the, in the Wayne Manor, and uh, it kind of all, you know, everything coalesces together. Uh, so, which actually makes this probably the most focused and most concise issue, because yeah. everything is just kind of these two things coming together. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so Dexter meets who's there, and it, the way it kind of ramps up, it also sounds like this is also the Clockwork Killer to me. Yeah, uh, that's what I read too, and that's why when I said this is this is definitely a book because this like 
there's a lot going on here that's kind of unclear still despite being so focused yeah but um, anyway martha joker comes yeah. walking out the secret door in the cell uh that that's your cliffhanger for the like the in-universe part of the of the book it's a little bit after of course with the uh, batman and the time yeah. stuff but i i do like that gilda does say you know to get behind her so the fact like yeah she has the two-faced thing going on but you know she she's not yeah she's at arkham but she you know it doesn't feel like she's villainous <clears throat> You yeah, know. and of course the reason why he suspects that he knows who the killer is, uh, Thomas, mm-hmm. is because this was a wedding gift. This clock, so this gear, yep. uh, like you know, it, it must be Gil. It must, sorry, it must be Martha who is the killer, and because that, that's where the gear came from. So the gear came from the the clock's been broken forever. Yeah, as far back as he can remember. So, um, but yeah, and I, I like what Zermanico does with the art here is in the backgrounds. Um, you get a lot of clock stuff, but as soon as Dexter gets his mom out. All of the panels start to get like tilty. Yeah. And disjointed. And it just, it really adds to this sense of everything is chaos. And then you get to that um, layout where they're all like that. And there's, it's the, the two page, the double thread yeah. with the clock behind it, counting down to midnight, which is another, you know, um, we got to talk about blue energy and all this other stuff. So it's another tie into Doomsday Clock, which I, which I think is nice. Yeah, because we come back into the you know the real Earth, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, the the snow globe that they're presumably in is starting to crack. Yep. And uh, it's temporal energy. Uh, the kid calls it uh, blue shift power. Says it's the most powerful force in the omniverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is really serious business. Um. So yeah, there seems to be like it's all exploding right at the end. And mm-hmm. uh, yep. Uh, so. Yeah, he says, uh, you don't know everything about everything this time. You don't know the truth about your mum. That's the final line at the end. So, yeah, I wonder if uh, this means Bruce is going to get to see Martha Joker and, like, yep. to get a That's what that. he means, right? Because he never knew Martha was the Joker. He just knew his dad was Dr. Batman. I don't think Flash so, Man. yeah. Yeah, so um, him him having to go there, because he says this blue shift power is when space meets time. So basically when the Omniverse, which was introduced in, what, is that a Snyder thing or is that a John's thing from uh, Doomsday Clock? Because it was the Metaverse, right? Metaverse Doomsday was Clock. Doomsday yeah. Clock, yeah. So Omniverse must be the other one. But So the Omniverse runs in with Hypertime. And so these are these two you know, very DC ideas. And it creates this blue Manhattan-esque energy. Um, and yeah, so I, I would guess that he gets pulled into there. That's all I can think. Yeah, I and mean... This- I, I do wonder if the lesson for Batman in this is that, you know, he's kind of trying to save his father because he's met yep. this version of his father and thinks he's worth saving, but mm-hmm. he doesn't realize that the, the wife, the, the Martha in this scenario, is this really effed up. It, it, like, it's like, yeah. this is a Martha that should never have existed. Right. You know, that, that, basically. And maybe learning that and realizing that is maybe See, ultimately what the story is going to be. It's been forever since I read the Azarello, you know, the, the Flashpoint Batman book. But I thought he killed her at the end. It does seem like she died at the end, so this is definitely a reveal that she's still right. alive here at the end. And she's still alive, and it could be from all these time fluctuations and Flashpoint not meaning, not supposing to exist. Don't get me wrong, I did roll my eyes a little bit that it's just their Joker yeah. who's the clockwork yeah. killer, because, I mean, it's a bit of a, an easy, obvious thing to do. Yeah, I think there's more to it. I think there's it might not just be her that might be more to it. Mm. Like she's working in conjunction with, with who's ever the clockwork killer. Um, because for for her to kill Thawne, right? 
That's pretty big. Like, she's kind of just a, a crazy person with a knife that kills people. Yeah. For her to kill a speedster, is a, that's a pretty big feat. So there might be. I mean, with with the Time Masters being lost and this little guy with the with the hat, you know, there, there's so much more, I think, going on behind the scenes. And we'll get to it. But, but yeah, no, this is definitely a this book keeps getting crazy. So, but that that page, Zerbanico's <clears throat> art with the reveal of the Martha Joker. If anything, damn good. this might be the best straight up issue of this book, mm-hmm. and and in a way that's almost disappointing because it wasn't funny, like yeah. unintentionally yeah. at any point. Yeah. <laughs> True. True. So, what I was starting to enjoy about this book, for for all its faults, is what this issue didn't have. But it didn't have it because it was actually a better issue. Which yeah. it's it's a, it's a weird conflicting feeling to to have. But uh, yeah, that's kind that's kind of what I was uh, getting from it. Uh, anyway, what are you, what are you giving uh, um, Flashpoint Beyond? I'm mean, gonna seven point five, and a lot of that's on the strength of the art. So. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. I think, uh, I, I you know I enjoyed it well enough, and I I'm intrigued by the what craziness might come in the last issue. Uh, but I did roll my eyes a little bit at Martha Joker, even yeah. though I really loved that in the original story. But she was supposed to be dead, so you know it's a little mm-hmm. bit like comic books. Anyone can come back, whatever you know. And maybe there's a good reason. I don't know, but it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven. So there you go. Uh, that's uh, Flashpoint Beyond. Batman Killing Time issue six. Tom King writing David Marquez on the art, and we had the reveal at the end of last issue that Clock King is behind it all, mm-hmm. and he's the one who's been looking for the Eye of God. And this is basically, you know, this the first half of this is effectively how he fits into a lot of the things that we saw earlier in the issues. You know, when he met Riddler and Catwoman, mm-hmm. when he you know realized certain things early on. You see him in Athens and. He says he sees bats overhead, so he knows he's here. So we eventually come back round to Batman coming to like talk to him, you know, towards the end of the issue, and and all that. But yeah, so there's definitely just some of this is you know very pretty because it's Marquez art, but it's mostly yeah. filling in these gaps of like how he fits into things. And we see that he actually killed some snipers who were going to shoot Batman yeah. <laughs> uh, during the whole big massacre incident that went down uh but yeah obviously yeah our score just like there's that two-page uh spread of him just walking through the battlefield holding the eye as everyone else is killing each other yeah uh and it's, it's just cool. it's, it's just beautiful there's like an explosion in the background it's like that uh, that and like the gunfire on the foreground is the only sort of orangey red and then everything else is uh you know blues and stuff so it's, it's got great contrast um and, and then there's just stuff with batman like making sure that the, the bombs that the, the feds are trying to drop and the whole thing don't actually kill everyone. So he ends yeah. up flying the helicopter further up into the sky and diving out of it so he explodes high enough not to hurt anyone. <laughs> and then he coasts down trying to save as many people as he can, which that's the thing, the strongest thing that came out of this was when he lands on the battleground, he goes and he tries to help as many people yeah. as he can, regardless of their affiliation. But for, yeah, for a story that's been so obviously obsessed with the mechanics and the, yeah. the time of everything uh that was a genuinely kind of sweet batman moment is mm-hmm. him even though this is all like thugs for villains he's going right. around trying to save as many as he can uh right. and that page is gorgeous as well because you've got the yeah. sort of the, the fog of war that's kind of there because of all the gunfire mm-hmm. and stuff and uh it says you know he saved a few but not many you know yeah. and you just see all these like bodies lying around because like, later on he confirms 130 something people died like, 137 that's I mean. yeah yeah so yeah, those those pages are are gorgeous. Um, good. 
But then we find out that, you know, like, this pawn shop guy's got the eye of the god in the future. Uh, you know, when I say the future, I mean, like, you know, months from now. Nothing too yeah. far. Uh, and he's basically selling it to this woman. He says, I'm not really sure how much it's worth, but I paid this for it, so that's what I'll give it to you. And she's like, oh, it's pretty. Yeah. I'll take it. And then later on, you know, we find out this is before the, uh, you know, Batman coming to see Clock King. He doesn't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. And Clock King tries to wax lyrically. But Batman amusingly just punches him. Or, or elbows him, sorry, knocks him out. Yeah, and he drops the... I thought it was a really cool visual thing, too, that when he, he closes his clock for the final time and Batman's... Um, he cuts his hand. Yeah, he crushes it in his hand until it yeah, bleeds. Yeah, he crushes down. it in his hand, and the, the glass cuts him, he makes a note, and then his hand's bleeding this whole time. So when he... You know, we see him drop it, and it's this blood-covered um, watch. It's it's a really cool visual for this whole series. Yeah, and at the end of the issue, because in the pawn shop scene, the guy casually mentions, "Oh, he got yeah. it off like a you know a flight, flight attendant, attendant." Yeah, who 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 got it on a plane? And the last scene of the book is Clock King on a plane, uh, just like you know, looking at it, yeah. and the flight attendant starts talking to him, and he says, "Oh, it's just something to pass the time." The idea that it was never really that important, you know, nope. it was that you know, it was just there was something, it was something to obsess it- on. Yeah, and it's a whole idea here that this madness that 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 this eye has brought. There's nothing supernatural about it. It's just people letting their greed overwhelm them and then blinding them. And so we get the tie back to the ancient Greece story in that basically uh, it's used as an explainer for, you know, when, when you hit these heights uh, of like a madness or of a rage. Uh, what the eye of God is, is is your clarity to look back at all the sins you committed while in that rage. And so I thought that was a nice tie to all of this, right? Was that Clark King looks at this, that he finally got his hands dirty at the end, you know, after everything was all said and done. And the whole thing he, is him kind of looking back and all the events that led up to this, you know, getting yep. this eye. So yeah, there's, there's yeah. a nice, yeah, yeah, little sort of thematic tag. tag to that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the Riddler also shows the FBI lady or whoever it is, uh, who does who agent do, agent F word. Yeah, sh- yeah, shoots her in the back of the head, but she somehow survives. And this was the only thing that made me think maybe there's plans for like some sort of follow up because she's right. like in physical therapy and she does nothing but swear and drop f bombs. But she will say Batman, so she's like f yep. Batman, f Batman, like just mm-hmm. constantly. That's me when I read a Bat God story, so I relate. Oh sure, I bet you do. Yep. I bet you do. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was a really dark scene where he just shoots her in the back of the head. Yeah. Uh, and he's pissed that he, he got betrayed by both her yeah. and Catwoman. Yep. And uh, Bruce goes to see Ra's al Ghul, talk to him about mm-hmm. the Eye of God and the help. And that this is why the help's different from you, is that he knows when to stop. Uh, and because you're you're effing crazy. Yeah. I, I, mean, I did love that. From, from Ra's to Bruce. If, if there's a critique of this issue, is that it's maybe a shame that there's basically no help because his, his part of the story's done. Right. Well, again, if this is meant to have a, a follow-up, I could see the help coming back out of mm. retirement to do whatever. You know, maybe to team up with that man, because that man needs his help to resolve whatever is next. Um, oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, right? Um, but yeah, no. That, and then so before we, because I had to finish this as we were, you know, gearing up, and I and I mentioned offhandedly to, to Pete, I was like, if I think I understood this, it, it was really good. And it was that. It was that tag towards the end of Clock King looking back with this clarity at all the things that he had done uh, to lead to this moment. 
Um, and that kind of the eye in and of itself is worthless. It's all what people put into it uh, because you, you it goes back to ancient Greece and they're at a temple of Athena and there was this this mask over this actor who had been in a play about the, the rage that we'd seen earlier in the story and she carves out this eye and that's where it becomes the eye of Athena. Um, and so it's basically it's not like this big supernatural thing. It's whatever... Who's ever looking for it, whoever wants it, what they put into it, which I thought that was a real, real nice, nice little touch King put on there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a fun miniseries. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it, it, it was distinct. It had its own tech, you know, me- mechanic, the way it did jump around mm-hmm. the timeline and constantly use time as, as this kind of driving force. Made it feel distinct to any other books that I was reading. And it was especially yeah. good in the sense that, you know, you've got you know, several bat books at any one time, so... Yeah, it, uh, it might be my second favorite King Bat story because that that Mister Freeze one, the jury, sure. is still 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 top notch. But this, I would put this over any of his, you know, other stuff from from his run. I thought this was really well put together, you know, um, no filler whatsoever, and yeah, yeah, that yeah, was very tight. So, uh, I, and the art obviously from Marquez was was stunning pretty yeah. much throughout the whole thing. Uh, yeah. And thankfully, there was no fill-ins or anything like that. It was just Marquez yeah. the whole time. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so good stuff. Uh, all right, what are you giving Killing Time issue six? Uh, I'm at 8.5. Yeah, uh, I'll probably go straight eight on this. Uh, okay. It was very good. So, uh, All right, next up. DC versus Vampires issue eight. James Tay in the fourth uh, and Matthew Rosenberg writing with Otto Schmidt on the art. Um so, uh, this issue is kind of a transition issue in that we yeah. kind of formed the plans that the various groups of characters were going to do last mm-hmm. issue. Uh, this issue kind of ends with them all on their way to do those things. So, this issue is very much just kind of the prep and the kind of the, yeah. the you know, like Black Canary trying to talk Oliver out of doing his like crazy, you know, run where he's going to try and save people at the, at the Kent farm yeah, and things the like Black that. Farms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a lot of comedy early on with Damien being a little shit about the House of Mystery. And why is mm-hmm. it not the House of Secrets? Are they different? What's the point of... Uh, isn't Secrets mysterious? So aren't they both I, technically mysterious? I do love that, but I also just love the concept of constantly like, just don't think about it too much. It's magic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's going there for their help and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Dana tries to talk Oliver out of the thing, out of going, but um, realizes she's not going to be able to, and they kind of have this heart-to-heart, so they end up... Uh, spending a night together before uh they're going to go off and do this uh a lot of other magic based characters show up at the house of mystery uh Mm. later in the issue led by jason blood um so you know yeah so the so the magic casters are trying to right they're trying to purge out the at the house of secrets right they're trying to purge out the vampirism but it just seems to be the, the killing the vampires so it's it's almost as if there's like not exactly a cure, um, and then that's when there's the the knock on the door, uh, with Jason Blood and his group. It looks like a vampires, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it says he's here to have everyone forget something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Supergirl feeling very, you know, vulnerable. Vulnerable. Feel if you know Ryan Choi ends up giving her a bit of a pep talk about how she's still Supergirl and. Uh, you know, he's worried that she's up in this ledge on this building yeah. in the city, and like she, because if you don't remember, they're in they're in the the Kandor uh, bottle city. Yeah, they're nightlight, and so she doesn't have any of her her you know 
Kryptonian powers. And so he's like, how about you just not sit on that ledge because you're not invulnerable anymore? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. And obviously they're, they're, they're paying a lot of hope on her and that she gets to Australia and is able to, you know, get, get to the sun and whatever. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then we also have Barbara having these nightmares and it's like these steamy vampire romance nightmares between Unsettling. Dick and Starfire. <laughs> yeah. So she's waking up, uh, you know, in the cold sweat as you do, um, still obsessed with, with, with killing him and, and stuff. Um, and Constantine is there, and he is just bloody and beaten to hell. Yep. Um, Burned, it looks like. Yeah, but he doesn't remember, and that ties into right. what Jason Blood said. You know, he's here to right. make them forget something, so he doesn't remember exactly mm -hmm. what happened. Um, so, yeah. So, so he, he basically, he's just like, yeah, go to Gotham and kill that bastard Dick Grayson. So, uh, yeah, like I say, this, this issue is largely a lot of setup. Uh, Babs goes to get Harley, who's currently held captive by Thinker and Professor Pegg, and uh, yeah, basically, you know, beats the crap out of them. Harley, when she gets out, starts beating them up. Frankenstein, who's kind of working as their henchman, turns uh -huh. sides and offers these services to the girls by the end, yeah. uh, because he believes I, in what they're doing more. Yeah, I like his, his you know, working with them is his, because, you know, the it's the old Spock quote, right? The needs of the few... Or, or what's it from Star Trek 2? The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. There you go. Yeah, he's only working with them because her blood can kill vampires. And but then when he sees like, oh no, these you know, these girls are way more noble, I'm gonna go with them. Yeah. Or with her. Because keep in mind Harley has the, the Lex blood in her, the, right. the magic yep. stuff. Um Yeah, so yeah, there's a little bit of awkward comedy here. I feel like I feel like Harley's joke about wanting a TV with unlimited porn felt a bit forced to me. It's, it's again, I feel it's Rosenberg not writing a voice that I like for Harley. Mm. It's not necessarily wrong. It just doesn't re resonate with me. Yeah, I just so, I don't know. I, I, I just feel a bit. I don't know. It, it made me roll my eyes. I was like, ugh. Overly edgy, I guess. <clears throat> uh, yeah. But yeah. So and obviously, uh, Black Canary's there as well. Um, Supergirl and Steel are on the ship going towards Australia. Black Man is there. Yep. But of course, they've attracted the attention of uh, Atlanteans and mm -hmm. the creatures that Arthur holds control over, and they're they're yep. getting attacked. And it's like, well, we're going to have to fight our whole way there now. Uh, so, yeah, fun stuff. Uh, but then, of course, they do get a bit of a rescue. Uh, Jaina shows up, and as we sort of saw a glimpse of before, she now has both her and her brother's powers and can make water-based animals. Yeah, I, I was so happy they explained that. Like, they didn't have to, and but her going, like, somehow I have his power too, and I don't I don't understand why. Yeah, she makes um, a big uh, water tiger, basically, and... It's out, bust out. It took me a second to realize what was happening, because the, art, the art's pretty good, right? It's Otto Schmidt. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, for a second, I was like, is this a Beast Boy thing? Like, what? And then when she said, like, yeah, I became water, and they breathed me in, and then I just reformed to do this tiger, this monster. And I was like, all right, that's pretty metal. That's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she, because because she rips out of some dude. Like you know, this yeah. this Atlantean mm -hmm. uh, uh, soldier, or whatever. Like you know, he rips yeah. in half as she comes out of him. Uh, it's it's a pretty hardcore concept. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so she's there to help uh, Supergirl and Co deal with their mm -hmm. mission. And the final page is just this split three, you know, three panel page. Yep. The first one is the, the group going on the way to Gotham, which is Batgirl, Harley, Canary, and Frankenstein. The middle one is just Oliver on his own, on his way to the Kent farm. 
And the third one's on the ship with Supergirl, Steel, and Black Manta. So, uh, you know, they, they, like, I don't have a whole lot to say about this. I, I think it's, it, it, it did a good job in that it feels like it is building up to a big showdown in all three locations. Yeah. Um, but as an issue on its own, yeah, there's not like a whole lot of big, you know, swings, or, you know, for, for itself. Yeah. If that it, makes sense. I really, the, the high point to me was, was the Adam talking with Supergirl. Yeah, that was a really nice. Yeah. To kind of current in a world without hope, why hope is important. You know, I, I do like that because I feel like my one thing I, I'm not enjoying so much on the book is how down and dour it all seems. It seems very, very hopeless in a way where like deceased should have had that feeling, but I feel like Taylor was really good at balancing it, right? Where it felt like all is lost, but there's still, you know, as long as our heroes stand. But I feel here in this vampires universe, it's reverse. It's like they're almost doomed to fail. And I, I, I don't like reading that. Like it bums me out. But <laughs> it doesn't make it good or bad. It's just, you know, you know, my enjoyment of it. It, it affects. So uh, but the art, I feel like Schmidt here is back on form. There were a couple issues where it was a little bit early on. It's a little bit off, but here it's it's back and the design he gave Babs in her, you know, vampire armor, I think looks really cool. So I, I think what I liked about this issue and, and, and it's spilled to like the big showdowns that are coming and mm-hmm. all three of the plot lines is it gave all of those characters kind of a moment or a scene to mm-hmm. you know, cause Supergirl had her moment with Ryan to kind of like yep. set up her her fears, her like kind of like this weight of the world that's kind of on her shoulders right now. Mm-hmm. Uh both Black Canary and Oliver obviously both but both benefited from their conversation where it kind of sets up well, why they both need to do what they feel they need to do. Barbara having her nightmares about Dick because obviously that's a very mixed emotions for her because she's in love with him, but uh, now he's this monster that has to be killed. You know, like I, I thought I did a good job of like sort of giving them all something. Uh, so it really set up. Okay, these are our main characters for getting into this back chunk of the of the run, um, which is cool. It is nice for some of these characters to get a spotlight, uh, which is cool. So, um, and Jane got a big entrance. Her big yeah. entrance was was glorious. That's, that's nice. my other big moment. I liked that. I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. I, I do like how they, they work that in. So, yeah. All right. What are you giving uh, DC versus Vampires um, issue eight? Give this one a seven. Uh, yeah, I'll go 7.5, I think. I, I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good transition issue and build issue. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Aquaman Andromeda issue two, Ram V writing with Christian Ward on the art. Uh, we were very high on the first issue of this, mm-hmm. uh, late to quite a bit. Um, had the interesting nitpick that the Ackerman stuff is probably the, the, the worst part of that first yeah. issue. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm happy to say that wasn't an issue here in this one nope. because because when he does show up here it is in direct like, correlation of what's going on. You know, He shows up in the, the yeah. action, if you will. Yeah, and it is very much a less is more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still getting Black Manta, I almost said Black Adam, but Black Manta and, and Arthur but they're treated as such big deals, right? It's it's almost as if they're just appearing in this other story about you yeah, know. We're following the regular people, and then yeah. they're they're coming in occasionally and being yeah. these kind of larger than life characters. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it sets up this flashback early on of the captain, Phil, mm-hmm. uh, and how he was given this assignment to sort of run this this ship that may never even have to do anything. Uh, but it was what mm-hmm. on retainer and like the other guy who's like, oh, I got the the big proper promotion. Yeah. Like, uh, this must suck for you. And he ends up punching him, and he's, he's got this temper, and it shows that he's he feels sort of held back by uh you know the navy or whatever. 
Um, so it kind of gives you a bit of his motivation and characterization and why he's going to be determined to keep going, even when he's like told that it's dangerous or told that he shouldn't later on. Um, and then eventually, of course, he's death, but we'll get to that uh, mm-hmm. when we get there. Uh, so they've got these fancy suits. There was a few, obviously, I probably dropped the abyss a couple of times in the first issue, but there was a couple of things in this issue that really stuck out to me about yeah. the comparison. Uh, one is that they've got this fancy suit that just repurposes the H2O into uh, hydrogen for power and oxygen, for obviously, for them. But they're not breathing it in his air, right? They're, it's, going, it's going straight into their lungs. And just mm-hmm. and if you've never seen the abyss, uh, in that, they, they, they develop a thing where they sort of breathe liquid oxygen mm-hmm. so they can go deeper into the water. And it was making me think of that a little bit. It's like, oh, it's yeah. a different thing, you know? Yeah, that's uh, the one thing I remember from the abyss. Was is, is the scene where the dude freaks out because he he's in the the liquid oxygen, and they're like they're they're telling him to just breathe, breathe like normal. Um, yeah, because hard. They say here is it feels like drowning. I mean, I have to question. Surely, liquid but in your lungs would still be a problem, even if it is technically. Yeah, but I I remember the rationalization when I read stuff about the abyss was when you're even in a pressurized environment like that, the the pressure is so great that your lungs won't actually work like. To breathe in the air, so they need that mm. liquid to push back. Uh, but okay, it, okay. it's still process them. I don't know if that's real science or if that was just you know made up for the movie. Good, it's good enough for a movie. Although that's, it's, that... it's it's good enough for here too because I buy like the it it uses the hydrogen for heat because they're at such depths that it's cold, um, mm. and for the pressure. And you're just like, oh, okay, yeah. So this is this is so Christian Ward doesn't have to draw scuba tanks and stuff. And, and be all encumbered. Uh, so yeah, it, it works. Yeah. So this is effectively the most of this issue is like them going towards the the the, you know, the mysterious like ship that fell out the sky and try and make their way in. So it's every you know, sci-fi horror story or movie you've seen where there's the slow entrance, finding going in like there's no life forms here. So let's look for anything we can sort of like understand. Can we find the engine room? And of course there's a there's a big massive central chamber with an orb that might be powering the whole ship and whatever else. Learn from. Learn from enough movies. Don't don't go near that orb. Oh that yeah, bad news. Oh yeah. Uh, so eventually, there's a, a bit of a a ruckus, like something that you know it tips over and some of it's falling down, and that's when Aquaman shows up and saves our main character Yvette uh, yeah. from from the falling debris. And uh, we all that's also around the same time that we see Mantis watching them and saying, "Okay, we're going to try and infiltrate that ship," uh, and that's what he goes off to do. So. Yeah, it's it's all and obviously they're, they're constantly talking to the people back. But uh, so Yvette's with a a guy that gets hurt in the you know in this debris, and when she's mm-hmm. talking on the comms, like Aquaman, you know, sort of um, you know indicates not to, to mention him. Like don't don't tell anyone about that I'm here. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, like she's like, hey, you're like the king of the seas, right? You're you're the like, the the thing my dad told me about as a kid, like the stories mm-hmm. of someone on the water, um, and. Yeah, but he's basically, you know, tell your captain that you need to leave, that no one should be here. Mm-hmm. This is an alien ship, and it did fall from the sky, but not in the way you think it did. It was built yeah. in Atlantis. And it's like, that was oh. the That was the mind blow for me. It was like, whoa. So is this like some kind of Atlantean weapon that they shot? Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking prison. I'm, I'm thinking there's something, is, yeah. you know. Well, once once we got to more than yeah. as as he's saying this, I'm like, whoa, so was this like a, a weapon that they were going to use on the surface world? And then it they sank it and no one's supposed to go near it. And then, yeah. And then as the story got going, it felt like it was more like a prison. Yeah. And yeah. when they're seeing the orb and still, when the captain and the other dude that's with him goes towards mm-hmm. the orb, they're seeing like faces in the, mm-hmm. in the orb. 
and then you get the reveal as it goes on that this thing is manifesting things from their mind and that's actually why there was a kraken last issue is it's not because there was a kraken down here it's because that dude was reading the book about a kraken yeah so i don't know if you've ever seen sphere i have yes i, I did it I on was uh, getting, but on ace when yeah. that started to happen i was getting the vibe of, of sphere when when they open up the drawer and there's nothing but twenty thousand leagues books because it's manifesting fears and i was just like oh man okay i know what rmv's doing so yeah or uh, maybe a comparison more people might get is uh the state puff marshmallow bandit that yeah that too wraith wraith thought a state puff marshmallow man and that's yep. why he popped up so there you go so yeah uh, black manta comes on and like threatens one of the dudes he's like here's like a usb stick i'm going to call upon you for something and if you don't do it like i can get back out of the ship i've got cloaking tech i'm like the goddamn predator <laughs> yeah so that's what got me so when, when he enters i didn't realize that what was going on and i thought something like i don't know something from the ship got into their ship mm-hmm. and then i realized after staring at the panel for a couple seconds oh no that's a footsteps that's that's cloaked manta so I thought that was Christian Ward doing that, where it took me a second. That was a pretty cool touch. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of glorious stuff. Uh, there's like, the flashback for the other guy and like his grandfather like dunking his head in the water, and then it sort of cuts to him being eviscerated by the the light of the orb. Uh, everything's shaking, and that's when Black Manta like talks to the guy on the the ship, uh, the guy with the the beard, and you know, basically threatens him and is like, yeah, I'm going to be calling upon you at some point and you're going to do what I say. So, you know, really interesting stuff. Uh, obviously, Yvette tr- can try to convince the captain that, no, you can't, you you can't uh, stay here, you have to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then later, you know, Arthur calls it a prison. He says, "It's I am right inside that prison. Uh, right inside that prison is the bane of atlantis and i'm like atlantis has a bane <laughs> <laughs> but instead of talking like like tom hardy's bane it's actually clear but you have to be underwater to hear it uh, yes of course yeah um so yeah that's just how when it's revealing all this stuff and it's kind of like cutting around uh the different things and you realize that that's why the kraken existed um mm-hmm. and the captain's getting really tetchy uh doesn't want to leave um and he's getting really paranoid that the others are like wanting him to fail, uh, and that sort of ties into his backstory. Uh, and he ends up hitting one of the crew members, uh, slapping her across the face. And it's this really dark moment. It feels quite uh, yeah. And you can actually see what looks like in the orb, the prison orb, if you want mm-hmm. to call it that. It looks like whoever's in there is smiling when he's making. Yeah. It's, it's like he's feeding off the 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 rage and the anger and the fear. Uh, so it's right before he slaps her you can see this like purple figure smiling inside the orb uh, and I have to assume that you know that's like a hint of who this is and that it maybe yeah. is someone we're going to like recognize or understand uh, but uh, as he's strangling another crew member because you know someone tries to step in after he hits the other one and uh, the captain's strangling this other guy uh, you sort of see him react and then you realize someone stabbed him in the top of the head with a knife uh, and that, and that's the last page. That's the the cliffhanger. Is... Yeah, that was uh, pretty. I wasn't expecting the, the the head stab in this. No, it was pretty yeah. violent. And uh, so it's this the older crewman uh is the one who did it, uh, yeah. and everyone's shocked. And that's the the end of book and, two. Yeah, and he was the one that was that with 
that was paired with the Yvette the whole time, right? The older crewman. Mm. Yeah. And so it seems like he's protective over her. Also, there there was a part where the guy that's looking at the orb, um, it, it goes to a flashback of him talking to his grandpa. Yeah, that's the one that ends with uh, his grandpa dunking his head in the water. Before yeah, he... and then he, that orb discharges and fries him. Oh yeah, it bl- bl- obliterates him. Yeah, and that it um, their whole their whole conversation is about belief, and you know his his dad said that all oh, you know believing in gods is stupid, and stuff, and that's where Grandpa teaches him a lesson by drowning him, uh, and that's you know his undoing. That's the last thing he thinks about before, and so I thought that was pretty uh, pretty interesting in the in the scheme of. What we know how Ramby likes to write with about you know ideas, and and stuff like so like, you know what what if this isn't just a a prison with one person in it but it's you know, you know a prison of of you know put all of all of the bad beliefs of Atlantis or whatever, that's what this thing represents, or because it would be pretty it's pretty weird to see how that is. I don't know how that story fits in with the rest of this with what we saw, so I just got my my brain going. Sure. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they are gorgeous. Uh, yep. the, you know, there's a lot of stuff with the with the ships, the the moodiness of them of them swimming towards the the mysterious ship and all the rest of it. I guess if there's anything, I think this issue is probably better than issue one. But the only thing I would say that is technically slightly lesser than issue one is probably there's not as many big spectacle moments in there because you know issue one had the big cracking moment and Arthur showing up and it had. You know, stuff like that. This issue doesn't yeah. necessarily have that, which is maybe the one thing that makes it feel... No, but it, it progresses the story for, you know, without having those big moments. Yeah, right? the, the story's fantastic. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it didn't have those one or two weaker moments with Arthur where he's with the village or whatever. You know, it, everything with Arthur felt good. Everything with Black Manta felt good. And even the moment where, like, someone in Manta's ship says, hey, Curry's here. And like you sort of get the reaction moment from from Black Manta, like it's like, oh, okay, so this is a a functioning Aquaman and Black Manta who know each other. Uh, this isn't, you know, because you know we're in we're in like an Elseworld effectively. We're still sort of yeah. learning the rules and you know what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, our main character Yvette does swim back to the the ship, so she's on her way back to the the mysterious yeah. ship at the end. Um, so she's not there to witness the whole murder thing, uh, which is what ends the issue. So. No, it's yeah. interesting. She goes back out to talk to Arthur, basically, and yeah. ask why, uh, you know, what, what's going on. Yeah. So, uh, no, very good, very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, these uh, Black Label books have been mostly killing it. Yeah, uh, so far so good. Yeah. Uh, so, what are you giving Andromeda issue two? Uh, I'm giving the same point five. I'm just going to straight nine, I think. Yeah. Straight nine for me. Uh, the second man Andromeda. So, cool. Alright, well, every month at patreon.com slash TV you can make myself or Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers. Uh, and I've got two that I'm going to talk about now. Uh, so I'll be talking about American Vampire issue 28, uh, which, for reference sake, is the start of the, the fifth trade, just in case anyone's sort of keeping track of like where I am in the, the timeline here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I start of a new arc, start of a, a new thing. Um... And this issue is basically like the reveal of that Dracula exists in American vampire lore. Uh, you know, there's this character who comes to meet uh, Hobbs at a, a little cafe in London, and what year is it? It says at the start, 1954. And 
this guy shows up, and there's a moment where he almost calls him Ren, and he, you know, he cuts him off and says, no, no, call me this. And part of me went, was he going to say Renfield? Is that where this was mm-hmm. going? Uh, and sure enough, like, this is all about, he's there to talk to him, and it's all a bit of a diversion, and he's got an attack planned. Uh, you know, Hobbs is basically telling him to piss off. He's got, like, multiple people, like, with guns pointed at him, you know, in the crowd and stuff like that. But this guy has, and I'll just call him Renfield, he's bought a, a U-boat. And he's going to fire it at London Bridge. Because it turns out, uh, you know, like, cause, cause, because he keeps saying that he's here for something, and Hobbs keeps saying, no, what you're here for is, like, buried, you know, and hidden away. Like, you're never getting to it. And clearly, whatever it is, is inside the tower, you know, the London Bridge. And this is what the submarine hits at. It, it fires upon one of the, the, you know, the base elements of London Bridge, and Hobbs runs back screaming, is the coffin secure? Is the coffin secure? And when he gets to this this uh, vassal's base, there's vampires just eating the shit out of all the people who are in there. Uh, it is just a bloodbath. And someone knocks him out, but they knock him out with a skull, not even a skull, a skull of someone else. Like a skull. They, they hit him over the head with a skull. And that knocks him out. Uh, which is delightfully uh, like menacing. Like, I'm into it. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, I think... It's a really good, that's like the entire first half of the issue, and I think it's really effective in the sense that you're just sort of building and learning. Okay, what we hear because without, I don't think the book thus far has ever just like sort of like presented Hobbs as the character we're following before. He always pops up in someone else's story, so it kind of feels mm-hmm. like a big deal to begin with. And then there's these teases, and then his his panic that's you know that they're getting to something that the the, the bad guys are have gotten to what they've been hiding. Um. It's like, and you know, at this point, I'm like, I've already kind of like, you know, and I, I'm sure I read this. I, de- I definitely did read this like a long time ago, but I'd forgotten it. So at this point, I'm like, okay, it's definitely Dracula. They're talking about Dracula, right? Yeah. Uh, so that, then we cut to Paris, and Felicia Book is raising, uh, you know, the kid, the kid that was cured, you know, the one that was a vampire and was was thing. Uh, was was McGugan? Was that the name of the, the cop in Vegas? Oh my God, Cash McGugan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, so it's his yeah. son. Uh, who is now normal, uh, but he's having a hard time at school. He's not doing well in tests. The kids are kind of picking on him. But she picks him up and brings him home. Uh, they're just being really supportive and talking about helping him with his homework and stuff. But then she realizes that the the Hobbs is there and says, you know what, go and play with that that that, that other kid that you play with. <laughs> go do that. Uh, you do your homework later. Uh, acts very out of character, which she can kind of tell, but you know she pulls out her gun out of her bag and Sure enough, it's Hobbs sitting in there. It's kind of like in a Winter Soldier when Samuel L. Jackson's just kind of sitting in the corner. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of that kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she comes in and he's there. He's Because she's like, I thought, you know, we'd have understanding that you would never come and see me again and you'd leave me alone. And he's like, yeah, that was that was the plan. And he even knows about the kid. He knows that he was cured. He wasn't meant to, but he does. Uh, but he's here because he's got nowhere else left to go because the, the worst has happened. That you know the the bridge was built around a secret base that was designed to keep something in particular in, uh, someone who was captured, and it's all about building up to the last page where he eventually says what it is. You know, he, he describes the building of the base, he describes like how evil this this you know this person is that this vampire, if unleashed, can control all of the other vampires of the same species, and people get kind of crazy and like you know their inhibitions go away when they're near him. Like, he has this aura, he's that powerful. 
And it's all just building up to that final panel where he says we're talking about Dracula, and that's the, the cliffhanger. Um, you know, I think most people who read the issue are going to see it coming, what he's talking about, and that's fine. Um, I, I think it's almost like the perfect time. You know, you've had four trades at this point, you've had a miniseries, you've dealt with all this stuff building up, and if you're going from what he said, which was 1870-something is when they caught Dracula, which I, th- I think that may be when the Dracula book's set, so I think that's like an intentional choice to, like, pick the same time period. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of like, okay, people are probably wondering for a long time, are they ever going to do Dracula? Hell, even the hit television show, but for the Vampire Slayer, uh, funnily enough, it was the first episode of season five, if that correlates to the start of the fifth trade, you know? That's mm-hmm. the, that's when you introduce the, the Dracula in, in this universe, um, yeah, but no, I mean, the way I handled it was good, like, the, like, Hobbs panic, and the, the attack on the, the bridge, and kind of, like the, the fear that this thing has gotten out, and then him going to, like, a character that we do know, who's living this peaceful life, and trying to, mm-hmm. but is going to be pulled back in, because the stakes have just risen considerably, and Dracula's on the list. It's all very exciting. This was a hype issue to get you hyped for the story, and it did a really good job doing that. Um, and I, I don't think it's supposed to be a huge shot when he says Dracula. It's meant to be exciting that he finally says it, that he finally just mm-hmm. says the word. But, yeah. you know, it's, you're, I think like most people are going to know what he's building up to by the time you get to that last page. And that's okay. It's, it's kind of written with that in mind. Uh, and, yeah. And the, the art is, you know, solid as ever. Moody, deep inks, very scratchy. The, the usual horror shtick. Uh, I, I particularly liked how when it transitioned to Paris, like, everything felt very nice and, like, natural again. Because, you know, it's a classroom, it's a nice, you know, climate, it's a, you know, beautiful city, it feels very homely, and it feels very, uh, you know, it's a very good contrast to the all the reds and blacks and the, the horror of what was just happening in the base in London Bridge. So, uh, very well-constructed issue. Um, I'd maybe even go as far as to say this is a 9 out of 10, because it, it, it does get you hyped for what's to come, and that's its purpose. Uh, and it does so basically in two extended sequences. So, I'm trying yeah. to think if I've read this one because it does seem familiar, but it's been forever since I've got that one. So I got I got to check because I have them behind me. I think I have volume five. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe you didn't get this far. Maybe you, yeah, maybe you only got to like maybe the previous trade. I don't know, but yeah, it it's it's funny because you know like. The, We've had a couple of arcs, like the the, the volume for four arcs, which was the the road race stuff, and then the the small town, the racist stuff with the mm-hmm. the, the older werewolf guys. Um, those were solid little arcs, but they, they did kind of feel like like slice of life, like in the in the world arcs, as opposed to the main story. This feels like it's getting back to the main story of American Vampire, if there is such a thing. So. Yeah, it's it's the core story because it's like Snyder took some time to to fill out flesh out the the lore around the main lore. Yeah. But now we're getting back to book and and the vassals and all of that stuff and how you gotta wonder how Skinner's gonna fit in all this, right? Because if Dracula's coming, uh, yeah, I suspect he will at some point. Uh, yeah, he, he ain't gonna like that. He ain't gonna take kindly to some old dusty European vampire. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh. But yeah, that's American Vampire issue 28. Uh, the other Patreon book that I'm going to talk about is Animal Man issue 22. Uh, the last issue ended with Buddy basically saying, I need time travel. <laughs> I, need, I need to go yeah. fix things. Uh, 
that that was a cliffhanger, and it kind of made me realize that a couple of moments in previous issues were probably him traveling back through time. Uh, particularly the figure that he saw, you know, out out behind the house in that one issue. So this issue does legitimately start with him going uh to some various people, and I'll just mention it because the artist is different than normal. Uh, it's uh, Paris Collins and Steve Montano uh, on art, uh, with obviously Grant Morrison writing. Uh, so he goes to see John Starr uh to, for help, and he's got a bunch of clocks Back to the Future still around. But he's basically his like magic hourglass isn't working anymore, and he's like really like crazy and upset about it, and he's just kind of freaking out and looking at his hands, and it's a it's a big disappointment. It's a big disappointment. Uh, but it's this implication that you know time travel can do wacky stuff to you, and this guy was time traveling a lot, so there's there's dangers here beyond just like you know messing up the timeline. But he goes to the time masters to Rip Hunter and the others there, uh, and. Booster's there as well, and he's like, hey, I need to borrow a time machine. <laughs> and they're like, ah, this is a bit sketchy. We don't really just hand out time machines <laughs> willy-nilly. Like, you can really mess things up. And you, won't, <laughs> and you won't even tell us like what you're going to do with it. And he eventually lies and just says he's going to uh, confirm something or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they give him a time machine, which is just like a backpack uh, sort of time device. Uh, and he goes, and Booster does have some more knowledge about what he's doing because he's like, oh, like you know, what did you tell them? He's like, I lied. Uh, and that it finally brings in uh, Arkham again. It brings in this character, uh, who uh, Hayden, uh, who's been freaking out in the, you know, in the cell, the one who's been seeing the comic books and stuff, and is aware that the mm-hmm. like you know he. On the second page here, he's like he's he's acknowledging that the the audience, the reader, is looking at him and calls him calls me a pervert, basically, uh, because we're staring at him. Um, so we've got that sort of coming back into it, which means we're sort of dealing with some timey wimey stuff. And he's saying things like, "Oh, they're coming back, they're coming back." And obviously, if you're an animal reader, you're like, "Oh, is he talking about the the family? Is he, or is he talking? Uh-huh. You know, is this is this more line wide DC stuff that he's referring to at the time? Like, what, what's going on here?" But animal man puts on this backpack. And he hits the button, and he you know, he feels a bit weird. He's not really sure what's going on. And then you get this really inventive two-page layout where it's kind of all these, like, uh, misshapen panels that are all... Like, not only are the panels got angles to them, and they're not, like, you know, they're, they're not you know, rectangles anymore, squares. They're also kind of, like, falling away, uh, but then sort of falling back in. So they actually kind of go upside down as does the narration boxes, and then they come back around on the second half of the two-page layout uh, to being more or less back up the right way again. Um, and he's actually outside the house when Ellen's complaining about Mirror Master showing up. And he tries to yell and talk to them, but it doesn't really work. Uh, he sort of fades away too quickly and ends up disappearing and traveling somewhere else. And then he sees his son walking down the street, but he's still kind of invisible. He, he can't be seen. Mm-hmm. So he's basically falling through time into like different like moments, different scenes that he's seeing. Uh, there's the one where he sees Maxine, and that, that's kind of the one that's hinted at in the cover that she actually talks mm-hmm. to this version of him. Um, but he fades away again. Uh, there's a scene, and I remember this happening as well, where Ellen was painting and her jar got knocked over. That was him Oops. when he was invisible. Oh, no. You know, so it's like, and part of you can't help but feel like, but all this stuff already happened and they still died, so how can he succeed? Like, how, how is he going to actually change the, mm. change the seems, future? Seems like it's futile. Yeah. Uh, so he, he keeps getting pulled away. 
there was a I think this was an issue where Cliff was playing with a Ouija board and like like this animal man try to like manipulate it to like send him a message. Uh, again, it doesn't really work, and it all builds up to that time, you know, that end of issue cliffhanger where Buddy did see this other Buddy outside the window and went to you know talk to him and remembered this time when he was a kid when he saw him, and then that's when the 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 traveling animal man goes. He travels back to when he was this ten year old. And ten-year-old buddy on his bike saw this, you know, faint ghost version of Animal Man, and um, you know, he's 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 yelling, he's pleading with his father, who's like helping his young self up to to see him, so that someone will see him, so that he's not just lost in time, so that he can actually change something. So it's it was again another example of the desperation. He's like, he basically just falls to his knees, and is like, he then falls like face down into the ground. He's just upset. He's like, ah, you know, it's no wonder that other guy went crazy traveling through time. He he can't like get a handle on it. It's just it's just a mess. And then he's sitting in the park, just like feeling awful. And none other than the Phantom Stranger casually strolls up, um, and says, "Let me help you." And he calls Buddy a lost spirit. And mm-hmm. when when Buddy asks who he is, he just says he's a stranger. You know, because mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. thing. Uh. Yeah, uh, and then there's a little extra page at the end. A little, it's called, it says prologue, interestingly, rather than epilogue, so it's more of a prologue to what's coming next. Uh, but it's the doctors talking about uh, the patient at Arkham, and, uh, you know, like, he, like the, he's got, like, a bunch of comic books now, and he's got, like, a poster saying Wanted Ultraman. Uh, I assume that maybe there's some stuff, like, maybe tying into, like, line-wide stuff here. But it's, yeah. the, it's the aliens that gave Buddy his power who show up at, at Arkham, and... Um, they're basically surprised that uh, uh, the, the doctor doesn't know who who it is. Um, so yeah, yeah, Doctor Highwater, that's who it is. Um, and so the end is just like you know the patient streaming they're coming. So it seems like he was actually meaning the aliens. That's that's who was coming back. That's who was returning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe the aliens are going to help Buddy get his family back. That's uh. That's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's. I just know from reading in the New Fifty Two that they were just agents of the Red, and made Buddy think they were aliens. So you know. Oh, maybe that's gonna. Maybe that'll be a. Yeah. A big reveal in the last. Uh, well, I think episodes. that was. I think that was Lemire, adding adding that to the lore. Ah, okay, I see. Right, but who who knows? To, maybe to... maybe it's one and the same. To make it a bit neater so there's not aliens involved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, fun stuff. Yeah, and like, the patient, like, he's like, streaming and all these colours are coming out of his mouth. Uh, like, wow. like, comic art is just erupting from his pores and or every orifice. Uh, so it's a wild visual. I'll, you know, I'll give it that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I enjoyed the issue. It's not, I don't think it quite has the emotional heft that the last couple have had. Um, obviously there's those moments where he does feel the weight of it and he's, he's struggling and he can't do it. But there is a, kind of that thing. It was almost like I was saying in the start of uh, Killing Time this week, which is there's an element of it where it's just kind of like showing you all these scenes again that it was him and the previous issues like manipulating something. And while it's neat to see it, it does kind of take up a lot of the, issue, the, the pages and it's not necessarily something that uh, is super captivating and advancing things on its own. Um I feel like it is one of those things, though, that when if you were reading it as it was coming out, right, 
hmm. going back and thinking about all of those things that weren't making any sense in the moment, you know, seeing those all play out here. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it shows Morrison had a plan and like yeah. was sticking to it and it yeah. does feel like it was very well thought, thought out. Uh, and I'm curious to see what, what they do next with the, the Phantom Stranger stuff. Um, I think because it was just him falling through time randomly, though, to different time periods, yeah. uh, it was less narratively engaging to me than, like, when he's, when, you know, when he's like, on the mission to go do something and he's got, like, mm-hmm. a, a motivation. And, like, I think the last two issues were, like, two of the best issues that the, the books had. Uh, this is still pretty good, don't get me wrong. This is still, like, a solid eight. Yeah. But it's, uh, like, not as fulfilling as a whole on its own to read i would say uh but yeah i I am you know excited to see uh you know where it's going and how this uh you know because i'm getting relatively near the end now because i think it's only about 30 issues some of that uh so we'll see we'll see i want to say 29 29 or 30 um google this brad morrison's animal man animal man animal man Let's see. Of course, they don't put the how many issues because he ran from eighty-eight to ninety. So, um, yeah, that's only three years. So, yeah, so probably thirty. I would have to guess because when did he come on? Which issue? Issue one. Okay, so that's volume two. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, so he has 30 issues plus two annuals. So he has a zero, one through 29, and two annuals. Sure. So, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, there you go. That's, that's the first Patreon book stuff. A couple mm-hmm. of fun issues, uh, which is nice. Uh, but that takes out the part of the show uh, where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and, of course, top five books. So what is your panel slash moment of the week? Oh, man. So do I go something from uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, or do I pull from from the Mary Marvel book? That's what it's come down to. <laughs> so I, I will take the Justice Society showing up, because that moment did, did put a big old stupid smile on my face. Naturally. Okay. Yeah. Naturally. Um, I think for me, it's actually quite. There's, there's a few books I could take from this week, actually. Yeah. I actually, I'm going to take from Batman. I think, uh, f- in terms of sequential art, um, I loved uh, Batman trying to get away and then the cape getting grabbed and pulled back down. I really mm. liked that moment. But I also love Nightwing's entrance as well. There was a lot of good yeah. secret. There was a lot of good sequential art in that Batman issue, actually. Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my pick. Uh, what you got for cover of the week, Matt? Ooh, cover. Um, the there's a lot of cool Dark Crisis ones. Um, I would have pulled from Ivy, but I didn't get a chance to read Ivy this week. So, um, I really do like the Flashpoint Beyond regular cover. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll go with the Flashpoint Beyond regular cover. That one's kind of cool with the clockwork with the Vitruvian Batman. Um. I realized I didn't look at the other Batman covers. I looked at every other book but Batman, for whatever reason. So, I was yeah. trying to vamp and it wouldn't load. So, yeah. oh man, they had the swimsuit variant. That's what I should have gone with. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, for me, I, I like the uh, the, the Dark Crisis variant, which is like the it's like the Superman the movie when like Zod and mm-hmm. that are like trapped in trial. It's like that. There's the Trinity. There's the Trinity. That's kind of a neat cover. Um, obviously, the, both the main uh, new champion Shazam cover, which is Shainer, yeah. is gorgeous. The Middleton one's also very nice that everyone's obviously going to like. And then there's also a Gary Frank cover, which is very pretty as well. I'm actually going to be a complete and utter parody of myself, though. And, uh, oh, I also want to mention the variant for, uh, what was it? One of the Bat books. Oh, uh, there was a Ben Oliver Bat variant for one of the books. Oh, it was uh, Killing mm-hmm. Time. That uh, was very good. Um, but the one that I'm going to pick is the Nathan Zerdi variant for DC vs. Vampires, which is Batgirl holding two crossbows like she's a goddamn vampire slayer. There you go. I'm a bit of a parody, but I saw that this week, and I'm like, I'll I'll t- I'll take I'll take I'll take the hit comic book series Batgirl the Vampire Slayer. Uh, right? Why Why wouldn't I? Why would I not do that? So. There you go. That's my pick. Barbara the Vampire Slayer. Barbara. Babs the Vampire Slayer. There you go. All right. What's your uh, art of the week? Okay. So I really like Sam Pierre on Dark Crisis. Uh, Marquez on Killing Time was also very strong. But Doc Shaner can't get enough credit for all the art on in the new champion in Shazam. So that's my pick. It's a tough week because Marquez is phenomenal. Sam Pierre is very good in Dark Crisis. Jimenez is fantastic on Batman. Mm-hmm. Schmidt is pretty great on Vampires. Christian Ward's doing really uh, Ward. ethereal I didn't stuff. Ward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to agree and go Doc Shiner, actually. Uh, as much as I said there was a lot of great sequences in Batman, and there is, um, mm-hmm. I love how... I love the expressions and I love the the overall look of Shana's art in Shazam. I just think it's it's perfect tone for the book. It's a, you know maybe it sticks out as well this week particularly because it's different to everything else uh, as well. So uh, that's my pick. All right, what is your top five books? All right, so number one is New Champion Shazam. Number two is who would I put this? Should I give them the same? Let's go Batman Killing Time. Three is uh, Andromeda. Four is Dark Crisis. Five is Batman. Okay. Uh, my number one is Andromeda. Number two mm-hmm. is Champion of Shazam. Number three is Batman. Number four is Dark Crisis. And number five over left. Uh, killing time or vampires i think or beyond i suppose but i'm not picking yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, i will go number five with i'll go vampires but it's it's it's, okay. it's close it's the they're, they're close yeah uh but there you go that's my uh that's my top five but uh yeah a good week that was a good good yeah. week of good books uh i cannot deny that so uh i'll call it a win all right, yeah. I, I will tell you what is coming next week from DC Comics. So we have Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue 14, Harley mm-hmm. Quinn, 19, Batgirls, issue 9, Batman Urban Legends, issue 18, Jurassic League, issue 4, I Am Batman, issue 12, Dark Crisis, Worlds Without a Justice League, Green Lantern, issue 1, um, which we may read. I'm reading it, so I'll at least cover it, because it's yeah, okay. Kenny Johnson. So Sure, okay, sure, sure. Yeah. 
Uh, Future State Gotham issue 16, Deceased War of the Undead Gods issue. Well, I did not realize that was starting next week. Yep. The final Deceased uh, run. Okay, okay. Good. Uh, Nubia, Queen of the Amazons issue 3, Naomi season 2 issue 6, and Wonder Woman 790. That cover, which is a call out to the Hikatea, yeah, the Rucka, is hilarious is, to me. Is it just me or is it weird that Wonder Woman's at the bottom of this list? Because these are sorted by pools, and Wonder Woman's usually healthy up the the chart. Is it? It's not Alpha? No. Not even close. Start with Superman. Oh, shoot. We did. <laughs> uh, I don't think too good too well. Uh. Yeah, that's what, yeah. but a lot of people uncheck unchecked that on this website if <laughs> if it's fallen that far. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's making them question things that they didn't before. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean you can say that, Matt. But the last issue wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> I, I appreciate the sentiment and that there's assholes out there, but the last issue yeah. also just wasn't that good. Um, but yeah, so that's uh what's coming out. So, so I'm a weird week. Uh, week two has happened a bit odd. Uh, for a little while. But, uh, yeah, we'll uh, have some fun. We'll talk about some comics when you join us then. So, uh, please do. Um, yeah, uh, what else uh, should I tell you? I should uh, tell you about Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV, where you can go and support uh, all the content uh, that we make and do, uh, in particular this podcast, which you obviously enjoy if you're here at this end, end part of the show. Uh, of course, you can get the show early at the $5 tier, uh, you get it whenever it's ready on the Saturday night as opposed to waiting for the Sunday. Depending on your time zone, it may be quite late, admittedly, but uh, it means it'll be there for you on Sunday morning if you would like it a little bit early. Um, otherwise, though, you can, of course, uh, get us on the Twitters at DC Comics Podcast. Help share us out to other people. Give us a good rating on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast from. All those things do help uh, spread the show and help us grow. So please do any and all of those things if you wish. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah, and if you want to come hang out, I do stream on Twitch. Uh, I both play games and do movie watch parties uh, on there. It's just twitch.tv slash mailfuzztv uh, if you want to go do that. I'm trying to make a point of promoting things I don't normally bring up, you know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'll rotate it's through them. spotlight on things. Yeah. I'll rotate through them, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll rotate, you know, so, anyway, uh, yeah, so there you go. That's episode 317. Uh, hopefully you had a fun time. And we will see you next week for uh, 3.18. So thank you very much once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.